When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Guys, this is a long episode, so you might want to stay up late. How do you stay up late, you ask? i tell you how. Go to MrSasquatchCoffee.com and buy yourself a bag of the best blends of coffee I've ever had in my life. And if you hurry up, do it this month, use promo code THEBUMP20, and you can save 20% on any of your purchases. And I'm not joking when I say that I haven't had better coffee. I'm a coffee nut. I drink it all day, every day. I fell in love with the cowboy blend, and I got the six bean six bean blend coming tomorrow. So check it out, MrSasquatchCoffee.com. Order yourself a bag today. Use the bump twenty to save twenty percent for the rest of the month of March only. So you gotta you gotta act fast. Hey there, believers! I got a fun show today. Um. My first repeat guest is coming on. It's Dennis. You'll remember him from Terror in the Ozarks, uh, the episode where Dennis had his Sasquatch come into his camp, um, terrorize everybody in there, and then strut out. Um, I went over that on Sasquatch Chronicles. That's what brought a lot of people to this podcast to listen was uh, me talking about Dennis's episode as well as my own experiences. So Dennis is coming back on, and we're going to start off with talking about Bigfoot. You know, we talk about the Neverland photo. I shared it to social media. I don't know how far spread it's gotten yet, but it's a uh, it's a legit photo of a female Sasquatch that Ashley, Dennis's wife, took while they were on a hike together. Uh, you can look on my YouTube I think it's on YouTube, but I know it's on Patreon. It's on Instagram. It's on my Facebook as well, The Bump Podcast. Uh, I shared it, you know, throughout a couple other pages. But take a look at it. We we talk about that experience. Um, we From there, we get into what he referred to as his esoteric family. We uh, talk about all, all kinds of things, you know, um, paranormal experiences, poltergeists, and then we go into some metaphysics, you know, astral projection, out-of-body experiences, um, gifts, you know, and I think this is a a wonderful episode. There's something for everybody on this one. 
Uh, I know the last couple of episodes I've had some emails saying, wow, this person's great. And I've had some emails, you know, controversial. Uh, I had some emails like, you know, that want to disagree with who I bring on. Well, when it comes down to it, it's my show. And I want a, a platform for everybody. Okay. I don't judge anybody. If they've had a, a wild experience, just because you don't believe it, don't make it real. If they have their own way of telling a story, that's their way of telling a story. If you want to come on the show, I would love to have you on. I want to hear your experiences. I'm not going to judge you. I, I'll, I'll welcome anybody and everybody on here. It doesn't matter to me. Um, as long as you're telling your truth. You know, I don't want you to come on here and try to pull my leg. I want your truth. So that's who I'm looking for. I want honest people. Um, no further delay. Let me bring on Dennis. He's a lot of fun. This is a long episode. So if you're if you're looking for a, a road trip kind of episode or you want something that you can listen to off and on all week because the topics do change, you know, um, this covers everything. Like I said, it's a lot of fun. It's almost three hours of, of conversation, and I just I let it go right from the top. So here we are. What's happening, man? It's all good, man. It's all good. How's the family? I'm doing good. Doing good. I just sat down and had dinner with them and then uh, had a little bit of time to kill. So I started reading a little bit. Just uh, excited to see you again, man. This, you're the first person I've brought back for a second time. So, Oh, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. Well, you know, I mean, I got a lot to talk about. Uh, if you got the time, uh, I got a bunch of stories. And, uh, you know, I think you'll find some of them interesting. I'm, I'm always listening to your podcast. And, um, you know, and I'm thinking that you know, I can, uh, you know, glean something from, from the information that's being shared on your podcast. It's really cool. So, uh, and it just makes me think of other things that I've experienced over the years, you know? And uh, so I'm sitting there writing down things. It's like, Oh, I got to talk to him about this. Got to talk to him about that. <laughs> Absolutely. man. Absolutely. I love it. Um, I, I had a couple of questions for you right off the bat. Um, yeah. One, I was talking to Chris from Squatch Survival Gear, and he wanted to know how you're how you're liking the uh, the Minahuni. Toughest your backpack I've ever had. Toughest, and I'm and I'm telling you something. Uh, here uh, in around my house, uh, just several miles away, there used to be Eagle Brand, which uh, manufactured uh, military gear, uh, yep. you know, for the U.S. military. And I knew one of the directors of the company and he, he gifted me a, uh, a, one of their backpacks. And I thought that was tough, but that survival, uh, squat survival gear backpack, the Menahuni is so tough. I mean, I'm never going to wear it out. I'm, I'm going to try like hell to wear it out, <laughs> but it yeah. is uh, phenomenal. It's just rugged, super tough hardware on it you know the zipper's tough i like the the little rain uh fold that comes over the zipper so it protects it you know i love yeah. everything about it and i what i really dig about it is the you can open it all the way up i mean it zips from one side to the other just open that whole thing up man you know yeah, man. And, and access whatever you need so um i think it's a fantastic piece of equipment squat survival gear everybody should get it there's no doubt about it and they make one for all types of people and all sizes. So, you know, do yourself a favor. If you want a tough, tough backpack, pick it up. Amen. That's what I Amen. Say. I got I got the Rock Ape and it is 
it has more room than I even need in it, but, but it, it, it holds anything I want to take with me on like a 72 hour, you know, like a three day camping, oh, yeah. uh, camping trip or whatever. If I want to, you know, switch it over in this winter weather, you know, we're going, you know, 20, 30 miles away to my in-laws house. We can throw that in the back of the car and it's got enough. To, I don't have to worry about, you know, all four of us. will have something to eat, something to drink. If something would happen along the way, uh, I just, I love it, man. But I wanted to ask you that right off the bat because I saw yours and I was thinking I was trying to choose between that pack and the rock ape. And I just, I don't know. I just, I couldn't resist that rock ape, man. It was just, well, you know, I'm used to three day packs because I usually do multiple days. Uh, you know, when I'm hiking, um, a lot of times I'll, I'll do multiple. So it's good to have, but I'm telling you something that Menahuni has got some room. And it's got inside pouches and it's got Velcro all the way around the inside. So you, if you want to, if you want to stick something to the sidewalls of your, of your backpack all the way around, I mean, you could do that. It, it is really cool. Uh, I just, I think it's the best. It's simply the best one I ever had really. Yep. And, uh, yep. I've had a lot of backpacks. I started wearing backpacks, you know, just carrying them around with me before they became popular for people to carry, you know, you, yeah. you know, uh, next thing you know, everybody's carrying one around. I'm like, when did this happen? course i'm old and, and things happen so quickly i don't see it <laughs> you know what i mean but no i mean uh i i love it i love it squat survival gear backpacks unparalleled in my opinion really yeah. uh I and agree, just man. it's I a agree. fabulous product so uh thanks to the good people down there and uh i'm digging it righteously awesome awesome one more question uh um, yeah as of right this minute the picture that you guys gave me of of your Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, it, it's on Patreon, but I'm going to release it this week to everybody in the general public because it just needs to be seen. And you guys did me the honor of letting me have the picture and I can't be selfish like that. <laughs> you know, but, that's fine. You know, we talked about it and um, I don't want anybody going down there. That's why we didn't reveal where it was at. But, yes. um, you know, Ashley took the photograph. It's her photograph. And she expressed an interest in doing it. I was a little hesitant at first, but I mean, what the heck? Yeah, what are they going to do? I don't care if people believe me or not. You know, it's not just about that at all. It's about right. they exist. 100% they exist. Yeah. And, you know, people need to know that. And how are you going to, how you, I can't wait to see people's reactions. And I'm sure we're going to have both, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. I want to see somebody, really, I, I would like to see somebody pick it apart and explain those breasts to me, brother. <laughs> How are you going to do that? <laughs> How are you going to do that? I'm so glad that uh, it was the female that I was talking about because yep. everybody shows, you know, blurry images of males, you know, they don't have breasts. Or, and you see once in a while, you'll see, uh, I've heard a couple of accounts, you know, like out in uh, 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 California, there was a guy in the Mingo Wilderness, not the Mingo, excuse me, but the uh, Desolation Wilderness. And uh, he was camping overnight on a big rock ledge, a uh, big slab of rock. And he said a female came out of the woods and came straight for him. And he even fired his pistol, you know, to the side of her and she kept coming. And he had to fire her a couple of times. He didn't, he didn't want to hit her, but wow. she would not relent. She just kept coming, you know? And uh, so she finally hesitated, turned around and went back in the woods. But I'm so glad it was a female um, yep. Because it's going to be hard to dispute. And I don't really, it doesn't bother me that people don't believe we need skeptics. But these skeptics, they've just never had an encounter. You know, they've never exactly. been out in the woods that far. 
and and they've never you know they've never been in their backyard go out in their backyard one time and see what happens you know <laughs> and i mean you gotta, you gotta make some effort get out there for miles you know yeah trek 20 miles into the wilderness or, or 10 or 15 you know whatever the case may be and yep. spend the night and see if you get you know get in the action uh i'm telling you just something that night is just still fresh on my mind I wasn't even thinking about Bigfoot that day and because I was with other people and I never hike with other people. Well, I do now because I'm getting older and it's pretty smart, you know, <laughs> when you go out in some deep wilderness, you might want to have somebody along with you. Right. But yeah, um, yeah it's just something I wasn't thinking about. And man, who we, I'll never forget it. Um, but you guys know the story on that one, you know, That's right. uh, it was incredible. And to this day, to this very day, it's, it's, the high, one of the highlights of my life, you know, of course, my yeah, children yeah. being born is high too, but now if they came out little Sasquatches, that would be different. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, that, uh, yeah, that, well, so, that leads me to the I, that's why I gotta ask when I re release this, what do you guys want to call her? Like, there's the Patterson Gimlin tape, and there's you know, the Momo, and what what name. Would you, you want to be attacked? To Ashley, she's the one who took the picture. I mean, if you want, uh, yeah. or you could say, uh, you know, um, you know, I don't know. You know, Ashley probably wants to think about it, but I mean, really, it's not my photograph. I knew she was there because she paced me all the time, you know, right. and, and for like a period of four years. And she was so small when I first uh, realized that she she was out there. You know, I actually have somewhere, um, and I'm a tech idiot, believe me. Things that I download on my uh devices and then and then to a computer i don't even know how to get it back i don't even know how to pull them out you know what i'm saying but i've got <laughs> i've got uh images of her footprint as a, a very young uh bigfoot so really? right away right away i knew i knew i didn't know it was a female the way she called you know uh yeah. it was just such a soft sweet thing but it almost inaudible you really had to pay attention and thank goodness I'd like to do solo hikes, you know? I'd just like to get out yeah. there on my own, no noise, nobody talking to you. You yeah. can hear things, you know? And sure enough, every single time I went out there, she'd be up on the ridges. There used to be like these cave walls, you know, you're like a box canyon, you're, clo you're kind of like closed in, you know? And she would be yeah. walking those ridges up there and cooing, you know? She'd be like cooing to me or wooing or cooing, you know, some very soft, elongated, uh, yeah. vocalization not loud either you really had to pick up on it you know but every time I would smile because I knew she was there I mean and, and I never saw her not one time I didn't have to I didn't have to see her really uh, yeah. but then and then here comes this photograph that I actually took and, and thank you thank you thank you for that you know I mean that's always nice <laughs> that, you know to see that it, that it truly is now had it been you know had it been like a well you know there's a male in that image too but had it been yeah. the central yeah. figure, if the central figure was a, a male, I mean, everybody could say, oh, you know, it's a, it's a tree stump, but the burnt out thing, you know, uh, yep. you know, lightning strike on a stump or something. No, 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 no. Explain these. <laughs> you know, explain those, brother. If you can exactly. do that, then I'll listen because, you know, you got to keep an open mind about these things. Um, I mean, you're dealing with uh, uh, pixelated images. They're terrible. I love the old grain film. You know, I love the old grain film. You, it, it just there's something about it that's more tangible than this square pixels. You know, I hate it. Yep. It's terrible. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's there. You know, you can look at it, and uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm open to any 
anything, you know, if it's, if it's not a female Bigfoot, then you got to tell me what it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so, about one of the best pictures I've ever seen, man. And I just, I, I can't wait for everybody to see it. And yeah, it's going to get picked apart, but it's okay. The Bigfoot community right. picks each other apart anyway, you know, so who cares? Yeah. You know, there's no personal gain here. You know, I mean, I'm right. not, right. I, I thought, uh, you know, Ashley's such a beautiful person. I want to, I want to ask you a few questions too in a minute, but anyway, uh, she's such a beautiful soul and, and, you know, I'm an old curmudgeon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so coming into her light has really made me rethink my views on things. You know, it is really, she's just a, a beautiful, not, I don't want to say consciously, but her light shines, you know, yeah, her light shines. And I don't usually, or didn't look in those directions. I, I'm aware of all kinds of things, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, her, the way she expresses things, and so she expressed an interest in putting it out there and, and gave me a reason why. And I thought, well, yeah, that's why not? Sure, it's your image. You can do with it what you want. Uh, otherwise, I'd have kept it from you forever, dude. I was going to leave it to my kids. <laughs> you know, I was going to leave it to my kids when they, when, when I pass on, you know, I say, hey, look at this. Your, your pop really did see something out there, you know. But anyway, I'm glad it's out. And uh, I'm glad we gave it to you, dude, because uh, you deserve it. You deserve it. Congratulations again on the continued success of your podcast. I think it's awesome. You Thank know? you. I appreciate it. We listen that, to man. it all the time. Every time you drop a, a new episode, man, we're like, we're working and we just punch it up and, and, and play the whole dang thing. And it's like, oh, yeah. Well, we got to talk to him about that, you know, and, <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you personally. And now when, when you were interviewing Ashley, you said that you had to uh, sage, use the sage, but you never got around to the story. So I wonder what happened there that you had to, uh, you actually had to say. Well, the, uh, there, there was a couple of little things, you know, like you see like the shadow people in the corner of your eye kind of thing. Oh, yeah. um, I had some tech difficulties, like, I, I did an interview and I'm, I'm a caveman too. You know, I, I suck at yeah. technology, but my speakers went on my computer. It's like, well, just now it, it changed to something else. Uh, the speakers went completely out. And then I was like, okay, well, what, what am I going to do? Let me troubleshoot. There were no speakers left to be detected. Like I did, I couldn't uninstall and reinstall. They were just, no longer there on my laptop and I had, oh, to, man. I had to go so far as I bought a Bluetooth speaker for like five bucks just so I could hear out of it. But, um, wow. just a lot of little things. And the last, the last thing that went on was, uh, I guess it was about a week after Christmas. We still have the tree up and stuff like that. My daughter saw, well, only, I can only describe as disembodied legs. She saw like the lower half oh my of somebody. Gosh. Yeah, walking through my house. She said it was going like in the same path I go when I walk in and take my shoes off. She said it's about what my size, but it was just from like the waist down. And I was like, oh, man, that'll make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. She said it was all white. <laughs> she kind of see through it. So you still see the tree, you know? And I was like, that's it. Get in the sage, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I, I got to tell you, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, too. You know, Ashley, she's more, uh, you know, the angelic, spiritual, angelic beings and things like that. I, I know that these things exist. I don't right. call them angels. You know, I have a, 
I'm, I'm very old school. I'm not a religious person. I, I tend to turn things up in my mind all the time about what these things could be, you know? I know yeah. there's something because I got some stories for you tonight. Uh, oh, but I don't, I, I don't call them angels, you know? I don't, angel means messenger in its original language, you know? Right. So you could, that could be construed any way you want. They are something. <laughs> what yeah. they are, that's what I want to know. I want to know what they really are. But yeah, so that's why you say you had a little bit of little bit of uh, activity. Now, and I tell you what, disembodied legs, dude. I got a story for you there. Uh, but I want to start from kind of from the beginning, you know. Yeah, do it, do it. Let's uh, hear it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I grew up in an esoteric family. This is what this is what we ate, breathed, and slept for our entire lives. We didn't talk about baseball games. We didn't talk about the mundane situations of what's happening on earth with people or politics or nothing. We talked about what's on the other side. From my earliest recollections, my whole family, bunch of esoterics, man. I mean, yeah. my, I had a great aunt who uh, really taught me a lot when I was a kid. In fact, she taught me how to write my name in cursive before I got into kindergarten. And when I got into kindergarten, and started writing my name right off the bat, I got in trouble. <laughs> the teacher actually said I was too young to write my name. I said, well, you don't belong to my family. <laughs> I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. How am I in trouble? So she would make me print my name on that primary paper, uh, oh, like a yeah. hundred times print my name. So I said, okay, I'm gonna fix you. So I take two pencils together and did it in 50. <laughs> like that. Ain't playing no games. I can write my name. So that's, that's one of the things she taught me. And she was very dedicated and very serious about the things that she exposed to us. You see my great aunt, uh, and I'm an older guy. So, uh, you know, my great aunt, you know, when she was a kid, she's in the early part of the 20th century, right? So uh, I'm sure, I'm quite sure her family, her mother, her father, her grandparents probably were all into spiritualism because, you know, that went from the 18s to the 19s. And uh, you talk about Helena Blavatsky, uh, who, you know, spearheaded uh, the spiritualist movement um, with, with her, which I've read. I think they're great works. I mean, really, you have to add this to your library, uh, Secret Doctrines and uh, Isis Unveiled. So they're monumental works. Those, those are her monumental works. But this is uh, the time when, you know, this is the time of spiritualism, when people had seances and, you know, and I always looked at these pictures of the ectoplasm coming out of people's mouths. And I'm like, man, that's kind of yeah. creepy right there. I don't even know why that should be coming out of somebody's face like that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but that's, that's how I grew up. I grew up with these people. And, and my great aunt carried that uh, esoteric spiritualism side to our family. And not only did she, was she heavily involved in it, but uh, my grandmother, my grandfather, uh, his second wife was extremely involved in it. My mother, she was uh, uh, precognitive or, um, you know, she could predict the future. She'd have visions of the future, but they were never good for her. You know, she'd see somebody getting hurt or, or and somebody she knew, you know. Uh, so she experienced so many negative uh, things with her, with, with her gift, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, that she kind of turned it off after some years, you know, but in the early years, my whole family was wide open. We were, my sister and I, I only had one sister. Uh, we were never allowed to participate in any of the seances and man, they had them all the time and all the time, but we, it, it, but they were serious. I mean, they took it seriously. They, 
no, you're too young. You know, you, you can't, uh, you can't be involved in it because you're just too young and it, it might scare you or whatever the case might be. But what they didn't know was every place I ever lived in was haunted up until about 1987. And then it was sporadic from there. But I mean, to tell you, it wasn't a day it went by where there wasn't some ghostly activity or some poltergeist activity happening. It was probably They probably caused it with all their other seances and stuff like that yeah. you know my mom was she was really a heavy duty practitioner you know uh always interested in the other side and you know from my earliest recollections um well let me tell you about this when i first started hearing these stories from my family uh my grandfather was the first person to tell me that he had an out-of-body experience and he's uh was laying on the couch, taking a nap in the afternoon, you know, and he, after a while, he decided, well, I'm going to get up and get something to eat. So he gets up, goes into the kitchen, you know, you know, looks towards the refrigerator. And when he turns around, he sees his own body laying on the couch, scared the living bejesus out of him. You know, he thought he was yeah. dead. He never, I guess at that point, that was the first one he ever experienced. Right. right. And uh, so he said he ran, slammed back into his body and woke up, you know, he just, he just, he, that was so I remember that story when I was like four so <laughs> then my mom tells me my mom tells me that she had an out-of-body experience in the hospital delivering uh my my older brother who didn't live past the first day but she had trouble she was uh she was poisoned you know she had some kind of uh, toxicity in her body and uh so uh she actually was Catholic at the time and and uh, so the priest came in and was reading rites over her and she said that she would, she said the two beings came down from the ceiling and grabbed her by the arms and pulled her out of the hospital bed up towards the ceiling. And she said that she fought with those beings all night to try to get away from them. It's not my time, she's saying, it's not my time. I'm not going anywhere. And they would come to, and she would be back in her body and they would pull her out again and she'd be up to the ceiling. So, you know, these are kind of, this is the kind of stuff that was always around my house. I mean, always. Who cares about baseball? I know people do. I'm joking, but you know what I mean. We didn't. We didn't spend our time thinking about stuff like that. We thought about what is on the other side. What's what makes that happen? Who are these people? You know. All right. So, you know, I'm I'm pretty young. I'm like I don't know three, four years old, and uh, I'm living on the north side of St. Louis, and we got this. We're living in an old old tenement building, but. Yeah, that's the way all the buildings were. St. Louis is an old place. I mean, it was established in the 1700s. So you got all these old buildings, you know, just very creepy history. And, and you know, a lot of history has passed. So I'm sitting in this old mohair overstuffed chair when I'm like three or four years old. I'll never forget it. We had these banks. Uh, they were made of chalk or, or plaster, you know, and they were like cheaply spray painted. Well, this one was a dog. and It was about two feet tall. It was like a collie, but it was a bank. It was made out of chalk or something or what I plaster. So I always loved that dog, you know, and it was always sitting right by this old mohair chair that I used to sit in all the time. And I was sitting there one day and I'm like three or four years old. And that sucker slid about three feet away from the chair. It's just like, just moved. And I'm like, now there's something you don't see every day. And by this time, yeah. man, I already said, I'm only three, but I've seen so much stuff. It, it, it didn't really freak me out. Um, but yet, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, of course, you get older and you learn about vapor and, you know, 
water vapor. It can, you know, how it slides glasses across tables. Right. But this was a bank and it had some coins in it. And that sucker <laughs> just moved about three feet right away. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. I can deal with that, you know. Yeah. But, oh, am I, am I talking too loud? No, no, you're I perfect. Get, oh, okay, all right. Anyway, so uh, in the same place, um, and that's about all I remember from that place, but my sister said she was in the living room one afternoon when a man, uh, you ever see that movie uh, or, or, or that series, Mad Men or something like that, you know? Oh, like yeah. the, okay, so the dude's got the, the classic 60s suit, the little fedora with the snap brim and all that business. Yeah. She said, she's sitting in there when some dude dressed like that with a briefcase walks straight through the wall and takes a look around in the room and shook his head like, I'm not supposed to be in this place, turns uh -huh. around and walks straight through the wall and disappears. Now, that's pretty creepy. You know, You're, I don't think I'm, it's like, so where are you from originally? You know, <laughs> but, but yeah. you know, I mean, all these weird things. So between my, oh, my great aunt's house, oh my gosh, she lived in Illinois. Um, and she had one of these big old country houses with the, with the roof that comes down like that. You know, it was like a barn roof, you know, almost like. And she was a, uh, she had a boarding house. So all these old railroad workers lived there. And they were like family to me. I was just a kid, you know. But we spent the whole summer in my great aunt's place. And, uh, man, you talk about creepy. Because this is a great aunt that could... She did all kinds of things. She she taught me how to use uh, pendulums. She taught me how to divinate and scry and everything that she knew that she wanted to expose, you wanted me to see, she would teach me. And my family said that she had the, the ability of telekinesis, although I never saw it. Uh, she, they said for sure she could move things. But I, I never really witnessed that personally. But I'm telling you this, she taught me a lot. And she taught, and she, she fueled my interest in the unknown and the supernatural, right? Yeah. So in her place, which was old and creepy, there's all these old dudes and they're like family members, you know, they had been there forever. But the place was just low, back then they had, you know, they didn't have thousand watt light bulbs or anything like that. So it was low lit yellow, you know, oil yellow lighting and everything and, and the old mohair furniture. And man, we'd spend, my sister and I would spend a whole summer there. and. I'd have this reoccurring nightmare in her house. And it was about this witch who would swing from the ceiling on a trapeze. She'd like sit on it. And she'd just sit there and laugh at me back and forth. And she'd be just swinging. Mm. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> uh -uh. This is not really cool. This is not really cool. Uh, but it was reoccurring. She was there all the time. And then of course my great aunt would fuel the fire by saying that uh, there was a mummy in her cedar chest at the foot of her bed and uh, you know back you know back then of course you had you had Boris Karloff and all those black and white uh, monster movies yeah. you know that, that fuel the kids imagination so man I never ever wanted to walk through her room uh, you know in your own you do deal with fear you know you fear of the unknown uh, oh yeah oh my gosh there are plenty of times where, where I was afraid but by a certain point so many things had happened and I even I ain't even afraid of ghosts no more. Now, if 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 something materialized, manifested with its face right in front of me, of course, you know, you're going to be startled and you're whatever. Oh. But uh, so at this time, you know, I'm not like, okay, that's pretty creepy. But 
you know, time goes on. We moved to another, we moved to another place, uh, probably around, I'm thinking 65 maybe. And oh my gosh, dude, this place had so much poltergeist activity. I never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, you know, what's funny. I grew up in a time where there was no internet. There was no videos. We didn't have access to this stuff. So when you were presented with something like that, it's unique, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's unique to you. So uh, this place it was over on 22nd in Montgomery. I'll never forget it in St. Louis. Still had an old uh, coal chute that uh, in between the buildings where they would deliver the coal. And it even had the old sunken room where, the, you know, it deposited the coal through the sidewalk and everything. And, the you know, the old giant furnaces that look like some behemoth monster with the with the huge wrapped, you know, ductwork yep. and everything. And it's all round and it's got the uh, 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 the fire brick around it, you know, and the, and the plaster and everything. Yeah. One of them old ancient jobbies. Well, that's what this place had. So this this was an old, old place. And one of the regular poltergeist activity that happened man we'd be we the whole family saw it. we the whole family witnessed it we'd be sitting in the living room when this shadow figure we could see go uh, through the it, through the doorway down the hallway a long hall from the from the front of the house all the way to the back of the house and this shadow figure would just move down the hall but not only that it would come up from the basement and you could hear the footsteps. Doof, doof, oh, doof, no. doof. And man, oh, look, I got the chills. Uh, every time those footsteps came up, you see that black shadow just go down the hall. So we had, we had modified the end of the hall and put a closet in. It was only at the back of the house. One time footsteps coming up the up, coming up from the basement. And everybody's just like, okay, what are we going to see next? What's, what's happening? Here comes the shadow, past the doorway, down the hall, bam, rips the door right off the closet and throws it all the way down the hall, down the basement steps, clang, clang, banging, man. And I mean, like, we were out. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That was the craziest thing. But it wasn't finished. It went in the basement, had a, uh, it was where the, uh, the, the kitchen was, you know. And, and so the basement was kind of weird. It was an old building. So it had a complete downstairs, below ground level living, you know, it was all done. But then if you opened up one door from the kitchen, it was the whole old basement with the stone, stonework, you know, and the, and the old coal room. And that was the raw basement, you know. So behind the kitchen was this basement. So this thing, after it throws the door down the basement, it goes downstairs and rips open all the cabinets in the kitchen, throws out everything in the middle of the floor. You can hear pots and pans and man. And listen, this was a rough neighborhood back in the 60s. It was really rough. So we learned to shoot at a very early age. You know, I, I talk about the country a lot and about being out in the wilderness. And, and believe me, I'm fortunate to have been able to do that my entire life. But I was also a city kid. And it was a rough part of the city. So... My mom, she carried a big J-frame 38, right? And uh, so here we are creeping down the steps. I'm like right behind her. She's got this 38 and we're going down the steps to see what happened. The whole basement was destroyed. I mean, everything was just thrown around and you could hear it obviously, but we didn't want to go down there while that stuff was happening. And after it ceased, you know, I guess because it could have been an intruder, but it wasn't, you know, there was no way it was an intruder. Uh, and it, it was just destroyed everything down it. And that happened on the reg 
I mean, on the reg, this thing would throw shit around. My sister and I would be, um, my sister and I would be in the living room and the couch would be like, just moving over. This couch is just moving. Like, Mom, <laughs> doing it again, you know? Uh, but it was so much, it was so much there. I used to have this reoccurring nightmare at this place. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out how old I am. All right, I'm about six, I'm thinking, right? So my room was the last room in the house, all the way back down the hallway. I had to sleep there by myself, all the way in the back of the house. <laughs> not fun, not fun. So every night, every night, I would have this reoccurring nightmare this ostrich, and I mean a big ass ostrich, would come creeping down my hall, with the exception it had a man's head on it. Oh, and I'm course. freaking right. I'm pulling them covers up over my head, and I'm thinking, no, no, not tonight, not tonight. And that thing would come into my room and bend over and stare at me right in the face every single night. And I'm like, man, this is not, this is not kosher. <laughs> this is not kosher. You know, this is not. But by the time. I mean, by the time, that was pretty common stuff starting to happen. Um, I once saw somebody, uh, a Caucasian head, floating in the back window of the back door. It had no body attached to it. Like you said, you saw those disembodied legs or your daughter uh, saw those disembodied legs. That's the way it was on the outside, but it was looking in and there was nothing. It was just a floating head. And I'm like, just a head. (laughs) Out of there. Get this. Yeah, I'm out, you know. Um, it, it, it was just, it was just constant. There was no, really no let up, you know. There was no let up at all. That's the way it was in yeah. the house. And I never had such poltergeist activity in my entire life. And not only that, when we moved from that place, it must have followed us or something. Because the next place we lived in, I mean, it just continued. I mean, it, all right, so we moved to a little better location in the county, but it was still pretty rough. Uh, so we brought our bikes indoor. You know, we didn't want to get them stolen. We didn't have a yeah. lock on the garage or anything. You know, so we'd bring, my sister and I would bring our bikes inside and we'd park them in the living room. And I'm telling you, one night we were there sitting on the couch and those bikes just took off and slammed against the wall. Bam! Both of them. And I'm like, okay, all right. Well, yeah. It's pretty it's common by now. It's kind of creepy, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's hard to get used to, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. I mean, to tell you, it just, and it never left. I mean, for years and years, activity like this happened. Uh, my sister, she lives in a house that was built in 1865. And they got a little boy there from the 1800s because my second daughter has seen him. Uh, I'm trying to, I didn't see him. But that little dude jumped on me one night. I was over my uh-huh. sister's. And uh, now that's, you know, I try not to get creeped out because we tend to think that we don't have any power. And we do. Right. We got a lot yeah, of we power. We do. You know? Yeah. We got a lot of power. You got to get over it psychologically is what's happening. You know, your fear up here. Yeah. Uh, because really, uh, we, we can do a lot of things to fend you know, to protect ourselves from these things. And you just, you got to unlearn things that you've learned. But at those, those moments, <laughs> you're not thinking yeah. about that. You know, you're not thinking about that at all. So this little boy, he has knickers on. 
and and like a uh, almost like a little sailor suit with the hat, like the little Cracker Jacks dude, you know, sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's pretty common around my sister's house, and he used to move things around quite a bit. Uh, jumped on me one night. I mean, literally just jumped on me, and I'm like, hmm. I started swinging. Right. I mean, I started swinging and kicking and punching because I got some unseen force attaching itself to me. And it, it was, unless there's somebody else there, and there might be somebody else there because other members of my family have seen a man and they call him Diego. We all, we give him nicknames, all these ghosts and stuff. Mm. Uh, so they called this one Diego. Uh, but now whether it was Diego or this kid, I have no idea. But my daughter, she's probably seven at the time we were over there. And uh, she said that boy walked into the room that she was in and sat down next to her and put his arm over her shoulder. What? This is coming from my kid who's in the single digits, single digits of age at that time. Yeah. And uh, she described them to a T. Everybody's everybody's seen them. And uh, I got my my great my great nephew. He has autism. But man, as he tuned in to the stuff in that house. So I saw him. I was because we're a close family. You know, I'm always over there and things like that so i saw him standing on the stairs going up to the second floor and he's just standing up there looking and i said dude what are you looking at and he goes just like that i said is it the boy he goes yeah and i said don't worry about it you know don't worry about that little dude he's just he's this is his house i guess this is what he's you know he's hanging out but uh what what spooked uh, the adults is is not the boy but uh probably diego which they call diego some some male figure uh my sisters had uh uh, her name called, you know, and, and also she's heard mom and mommy and all that. You know, oh, she's, she's got as many yeah. stories as I have. But anyway, this, I was just talking about her house because it's so old and so rich in history. And, you know, yeah. it's bound to carry some kind of energy, you know. But uh, so those are a couple of ghost experiences. Um, you know, I might, I might jump around. You know, you talk about Bigfoot. You know, when, when we were talking about Bigfoot uh, down in the Ozarks, the two-dayer. Um, after that, sometime after that, uh, Ashley and I, this is a couple of years later, was actually within the last year, we went down to a place called the Bark Creek and, uh, it's a conservation area and it's kind of out of ways, you know, away from the city. It's not real, real deep, but once you get down in the hollow there in the gravel roads and stuff, you know, it get, it starts to close in. So we wanted, we wanted to stargaze one night and, uh, it was the perfect night for it. We drive out there around two o'clock in the morning, right? And uh, I said, oh man, we're gonna see some stars tonight. So we're sitting in, in, in this gravel lot and it's just all woods around it, around us and everything. And we got the windows rolled down, it's, it's summer. And all of a sudden out of my left window, right behind the window, like on the side or right at the corner or the back of the car on my side, we both heard it. There's some low growl. And I mean, it was like guttural, you know, Man. and I'm like, not nah, right. So I, I just hit the, I just turned the car on, you know, because I'm a little shell shocked after the Bigfoot thing. Right. So yeah, I'm like, no OK, doubt. well, listen, I think it's time to go. And she starts railing me, man. It was so funny. She goes, where are you going, Bigfoot, man? You don't want to stick around and see what it is? I said, hell <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> see, I didn't have a choice the last time, you know, on that two there. there ain't nowhere to go. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to endure whatever happens. That's what you're going to do. But this one, I had a choice. So, man, I'm cranking the car over. She's like, no, no, let's stay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we did. We wound up staying a little while 
never heard anything else but man audible clear as can be this low growl and you know i looked i, I looked out the window i didn't see anything i didn't see a thing out there you know i don't know, a coyote or a bigfoot or whatever it was my daughter my oldest daughter said that her and her boyfriend was chased out of that area uh it's a neat hike it's a really nice hike um and she has never finished the trail. She's never gone back out there, in fact. Uh, oh, wow. I've been out there plenty of times. I like, I'm a, I'm a crazy dude. Uh, I got to tell you, Bo, I like to see what happens when there's no one around. So in, in some of our systems here, and you know, man, decades ago, you could go out into a wilderness area and, and, and not be concerned about what people think or who owns what or nothing. Now everything's parceled right. off, right? I mean, it's yep. it's crazy. It's parceled up. Yeah. But this is a this belongs to a conservation area, and, and uh, so some of these places you could put in at four o'clock in the morning and get into the system at four, which I routinely have done, and like a GoPro to my head and everything just to see what I could see, see what I could come across, you know. Uh, so I went out at four o'clock in the morning one night. I didn't see a thing. I what I did capture a couple of rodents past the, the across the path that I didn't see with my naked eye. But I got a flashlight. It's got like a bazillion lumens, right? So it'll light up the night. It'll, it'll just torch the whole night up and it becomes daylight, right? So I'm not really concerned about that. But um, my daughter was hiking in the day, in the day with her boyfriend. And she got maybe a mile into the system. And she said, 20 feet into the wood line, right? Because the, 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 the trail is really brushy in the summer. You know, there's, there's a lot of really closed in, um, yeah. which is why I carry machete. <laughs> but but anyway uh she looks over to the right and she sees this tall black figure pacing him right there like 20 feet and man he turned around a book and have never been back they have never been back there well i don't know if i told you this or not um i went out there one day testing out some equipment i had bought a new hammock I wanted to check it out string it up you know and about midway through the trail you get off trail and you can go down to the creek it's really cool there's this overhang and it's just a neat feature in there uh and there's a couple of trees that, that side along the creek so i strung up my hammock and uh i'm sitting there and just relaxing and all of a sudden this big snapping branch just snap and you could hear stomping around and i just kind of chuckled because you know I, I've been around, it, you know, I've been around. So I said, I, I kind of acknowledged it, you know, I didn't move. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't want to really. It was daylight, you know, and right. I was familiar with, familiar with the trail. And uh, I just figured it, male or female, it wanted to let me know that it knew that I was there, you know, yep. and I, I really didn't feel concerned about it. The only time I ever felt really, really concerned was on that two day here. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little that was a little hairy uh more than a little yeah. hairy but uh so you know i kind of got off on a bigfoot subject i'm sorry i wanted to get back to that there's uh but let's get back to the ghosts and stuff for a minute um nothing really ever changed we there was another house uh that my family lived in this ghost i named george and i'll tell you how it happened uh george was a prankster old dude and um everybody in my family has seen him including myself um but i'm sitting on a couch one day with my oldest daughter and, and this and at this point she's she's really young 
I don't know, four years old or so. She keeps looking off into the other room and I'm reading her a book and I wanted her to pay attention. I said, honey, I'm reading you this book. And what are you looking at? She goes, she's like, there's a man standing in there. And I said, well, don't worry about that. That's just George. And she goes, who's George? And I said, well, I'll tell you about who George is, you know, and then I related the story to her. So I have the, these things were going on. Movement, uh, orbs, always through this house. Oh, that reminds me of another story. But anyway, so this place had orbs galore. And uh, they were always floating, you know, like circling the ceiling. And then Uh-oh. You froze up on me. Probably the storm. Oh, let me pause this. All right, I'm not blaming that on ghosts. I'm blaming that on this big winter storm we have going on right now. Um, it's the middle of February when we're recording this, and so that big snowstorm that's taking out everything from Texas on up. Yeah, it's hitting us right now. Um, that's Dennis sending me a, a text. All right, I'm gonna pause this again. I'm gonna send him that link one more time. <laughs> hey man, I, when you said you said uh, tech idiot here, I thought, oh no, there's two of us now <laughs> because I, right, I don't know. we are we are truly brothers. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hey, you know what? what? What we need to do is uh, you and I need to get together and collaborate on a book, uh, uh, tech solutions for idiots. You know, <laughs> but it won't make any sense because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So what was I, I was talking about something, uh, some ghost or something, or or what was it? I forgot. I got off on Bigfoot, and then I came back to the ghost. Oh, George! All right, listen, George, George the ghost, and and here's how it all went down. We had this uh, in our family home. We had this entity. His name was George, and he was a prankster. Now he loved the women. He would always touch them, you know, wherever he could, <laughs> and and often, and often did. And uh, oh, wow. every all the women, I mean, it don't matter if they were friends of the family or, or family or whatever, they experienced old George. So um, I'll tell you how I got the name George. I, you know, and I told you, and we can talk about this later, I get out of my body a lot, you know, and, and in my early years, it was spontaneous type stuff. And I also have uh, visions like my mother, I see the future and it always happens within 24 hours after that vision, wow. right? No matter what, no matter what, 100%. So anyway, I have this, I'm in a dream state, sleep state one night, and I could have been out of my body, but it's not, I'm not really sure if it was a spontaneous thing or what. I'm in the basement at this old place in, in this dream, right? And I come down the interior steps to the basement and it's all old. There's dirt on the floor. Uh, the, the, the joists are coming down. It's dilapidated, right? And um, I'm scan. I'm standing there by myself, and I'm scanning the room. And I look, and, and this particular basement had three sections to it, like a shotgun, like there were shotgun rooms right, right in a row, yep. right there, three of them. Standing in the doorway from where I was standing to the next room, there's this little old lady. And she's in one of them gingham check aprons with the gray hair in the bun, the typical, you know, American grandma or something with the glasses and, you yeah. know, short. And standing next to her is her husband, bib overalls, kind of like the American Gothic dude, sort of. Yeah. But not, not exactly, but he did have bib overalls on, you know? So these, and she had the classic gingham 
So this is the old period, right? Yeah. Um, and she's, and I look at him and I'm kind of startled because I'm thinking I'm in my house in the basement, right? That's what <laughs> I'm thinking. And here they are and they're standing in the doorway looking at me and they're not speaking. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> the woman, the woman looks up at her husband because he's a little tiny thing and he's real tall. She goes, George, you got to help me in the kitchen. And they both turn around and disappear through the doorway. And I got the chills, man. I'm like, in this, in this a dream. And I still got the chills. I'm like, I'm freaking out here. Oh, wow. These people aren't supposed to be in my house, right? So I follow them. I go, and in the second room, the second room is empty. But there's an old mattress on the floor uh, in my dream, right? There's an old mattress. And then there's another doorway that goes into a kitchen. And I hear them. I hear them laughing, right? And I'm like, what the hell? So I go in this other room and the first thing I notice is it, the, the whole kitchen is empty. It's, there's nothing in it. It's, it's got the old cabinetry and an old stove with a window in it that you used to be able to look through, you know, and everything. And I hear him laughing, but I don't see him anywhere. Uh, the floor is uh, black and white check tile. And um, I so I'm listening for, I hear their voices. I don't see him. I look down in this little bitty window of the stove and they're sitting on the rack in the stove. <laughs> Swinging their feet on the freaking rack. A dream, right? I'm thinking how freaking strange that is. So I come out of it. I come out of it. And, and, and back then I used to write down everything I dreamt about, you know, really into it all, uh, the whole nine, uh, keeping dream journals and out-of-body journals and all that stuff. So wrote it down. So I decided that this tall dude is the dude that is making the hauntings in the house. Very, very not malevolent at all, but I'll tell you one thing he did to used to piss me off. I'm a big book freak, right? I got, I got books to create a library that you wouldn't believe. Yeah, man. So I love my books and you know, it's something about them. You got to put them in. I can't read from the computer or the, the right. phone or anything. I have a book right, right there. And I love my books <clears throat> intentionally every single day. George would go to my bookcase and just wipe the books right off the shelf. Everything would come flying off the shelf. And I'm like, God damn it, George. You know, and I would, I would talk to him like that. I said, man, you know better than that. And I put him up there and it's son of a gun if he didn't do it again. All the time. He's all the time. One time wow. I'm in the basement. I had built a, a, an addition down there, uh, like a, a half finished, you know, and uh I'm walking towards the part that I had just, just constructed. And I hear right in my ear, right in my left side, Dennis. And I'm like, George, I'm going to kill you, man. <laughs> Knock that shit off. Because it just yeah, ain't man. cool. But he was a prankster. That's the way he did it all the time. Love the ladies. Uh, all the children. All the children have visually seen him, you know, manifest in the place. All of them. I said, don't worry about it, it's George. So get this. So we had this old fireplace and I'm, I'm going to redo the mantle, right? So I pulled the mantle off. And so a picture had slid down in between the wall and the mantle. Um, not my picture. And when I turned it around, it was this dude in my dreams with the bib overalls and everything. Oh my gosh. And on the back of it, George. No. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I named him. I was just, okay. Yep. George is George, right? My cousin was spending the night. I'll never forget this. And uh, I just happened to awaken. We, we were sharing a room and, and I had a rocking chair in my room. And he gets up, I guess he's going to the Johns early in the morning or whatever. And I, and I see him take a couple steps forward and he just backtracks. He, and I said, what's the matter, dude? He goes, 
the rocking chair is rocking. I said, it's just George. Don't worry about it. It's just George. He goes, who the hell is George? And I told him, sorry. <laughs> but um, he routinely uh, manifested as an orb. He would fly around the whole house all the time. Wow. And um, the, the, the lady said he was pretty handsome, you know? I mean, really. Yep. And it was one of his things, I guess. That's the way he wanted to do. But uh, he was prevalent. Um, and he even had the habit of going to the other house next door. The neighbors would say, you won't believe this, but this, you know, and I said, no, that's probably my George, you know, <laughs> that's probably yeah, my George. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would believe it actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's kind of weird that they would move away from their own, you know, their own territory or whatever the case, but, but you hear about it, you know, you hear it about could people, have been his property, you know, it could have been all his property. At one time, it probably could have been. And that's what I was going to say, you know, because you hear these stories, uh, of course, now the whole world is filled with ghost stories with, with technology and everything today. It's all accessible. But you hear of people dying on a piece of property, but yet occupying the house, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. is it possible? Yeah. I don't know how the guy passed. Um, but one time, uh, I think this was pretty much at the end of his. Um, I don't know, end of his time here. Uh, on the plane, uh, mm -hmm. he was moving around in orb orb form when two other orbs appeared and they flanked him and they took him up through the ceiling and never saw George again. Isn't that weird? Wow. It's really strange. Just just disappeared uh, with the, the two orbs just kind of flanked him and they all went and that was it. Like I got to chill. <laughs> yeah. But, it's like uh, you, you, you got to watch them go on oh yeah you know, you yeah i don't know where they go you know and we can talk about that too because uh i've experienced a lot of stuff in my life believe me from a very 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 early age so this you know I kind of move into the obe thing when i lived in the in the house with the poltergeist that was really bad hold I on, hold on. yeah i hope that picks up on camera because as you're talking, man, an orb just coming through the damn camera. Seriously? Over your left shoulder. Uh, uh, oh, okay. I, well, I got well, chills well. on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to tell you a story. Now, now, check this out. This is only six years, seven years ago or something. I'm at work. And I was talking to one of my coworkers, a female. And I was telling her how George used to blow the books off myself every single day, right? So yeah. off to my left in my workspace, I got a shelf with binders and books and stuff on it at work. And I said to her, eh, George used to blow my books off the shelf every day. And as soon as I said day, two big ass binders that were four inches wide come flying off the shelf. And I looked at her and I uh -uh. said, just that. <laughs> she looked at me, she goes, I don't believe it. I said, well, you got to believe it. You just saw it, you know, yeah. but um routinely man. routinely and i hope that picks up on camera because that was too cool man i love i'd love to see it I'd lo I, I wasn't looking at myself so I, I didn't see it but uh oh yeah i wouldn't doubt if there are beings around me and my family all the time yeah. uh, you know what they are who they are oh listen i want to kind of get into the obe thing then a little bit and, and there's a lot more ghost stories all right let me let me go a few more ghost stories and flash forward i'm a young man i'm in my i'm in my late 20s early 30s and i'm partying with a couple of my friends and their girlfriends and everything we're over at this one dude's house right and i had a, a jesus medallion that i had for years and years 
And uh, boy, it had took on such a nice patina and just like buttery and smooth, you know. His face was uh, bas relief and it was finely carved. It was really nice. And uh, so we decided in our drunkenness to sit around and start telling ghost stories, right? And uh, I'm not in my house. Uh, I'm at this other dude's house. And I start telling these stories about ghosts and all these activities and everything. And I felt something hit me in the chest. It was like, boom. And they're all standing, they're all sitting right there. And they go, what's the matter? I said, something just hit me in the chest. My Jesus medallion was torn off my neck. And it was oh, laying, no. it was, yeah. And I had to fish it out down here. And I'm like, and I just pulled it up and I showed up. I said, you believe this? And so as soon as I showed him that, in the kitchen, the faucet turned on. It came on by itself. And uh. we both, I mean, it was more than, there was more than two of us, but me and this dude who owned the place, he looked at me and I looked at him and the faucet's running. And then the next thing that happened, the window comes up. The window comes up. Now, you see windows come down. You never yeah. see windows come up, man. No. That window just came up by itself. Now, this was a modern house, so it had, there weren't the counterweights in the old buildings like I grew up with, you know. But right. uh, that's not the first time. We, <laughs> my family lived in a place, we were kind of like nomads when I was young. We moved a lot. But uh, we were in this house, uh, kind of mid 70s i guess routinely footsteps walking on the ceiling uh you know like like if there was a something up there boom right. boom bipedal footsteps all the time and the windows they had the old sashes with the with the window weights and the ropes you remember those i don't know if you're yeah. old enough to remember those now but inside yeah. the wind the sill you know they had these counterweights made of yeah. iron and uh the window comes straight up i mean that was common it was all common and voices. Oh my gosh. Listen to this one time when my oldest daughter was born, she was, she was just a week old or whatever. And I had her in my arms and, you know, loving on her and snuggling and everything. So I thought, well, I want to put her down for a nap, but I really don't want to put her in her crib. I'm just going to lay her in bed with me. Right. And, uh, and I didn't even, I wasn't even asleep. I just, we just got into bed and we really, we were just laying down for a nap. So I had all my clothes on. We were just snuggling, you know, and, I put her down, it is broad daylight, this neon purple rod of light, about six foot tall, appears right on the side of the bed. It bends over and looks at her and then it goes Soop, and just disappears under the, under the bed. Wow. And I'm like, I wonder who that was. Now it could have been my grandma because she died like six weeks before my daughter was born. Maybe it was her. I don't really know. It appeared yeah. as a uh, like a neon bar of light, you know, not yeah. not very wide. It was maybe something like that, but tall, like six foot tall. Just bent down, looked at her, and then went under the just disappeared under the bed. And I'm like, man, who was that? And by this time, you know, I'm well used to this stuff, so I was trying to yeah. figure out who it was. But it's not the only thing that happened in that. Uh, this time I'm living on my own and, you know, my family going and everything. And um, in the same room, one, one day I get off work, I go up to my bedroom and I'm changing clothes and I hear like a party in my room, people talking everywhere, 30, wow. 40 voices all at one time, jibber jab, just a cacophony of noise. And I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I'm like, what is happening? You know, I'm stone cold awake, just got off work. I'm like, what is this? And, and it continued for minutes. 
And, I'm, and then it was just like massive boom. And then it was gone. I'm like, man, did I, mm. did I just pierce a veil or something or what happened? Where, who are all these people? You know, why are they in my bedroom <laughs> talking? <laughs> so it was really, really strange. I mean, but let me backtrack a little bit because when I was younger, like around the age of four, I started having what I realized was these uh, OBE episodes, right? Uh, of course, they were spontaneous. You know, I didn't know anything about what an out-of-body experience was. Right. I just know that when I went to sleep at night, and this was over in the poltergeist house, and when this all this started, um, I would I would create a, a sequence in my head. And I lived in the city, and back then, and this is an old neighborhood, so the streets were made of brick. You know, they were they weren't asphalt. Eventually, they asphalted them all over, but they were all brick at one time, brick or cobblestone. Right. And uh, you still with me, Bo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm right here, man. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. You can look frozen there for a second. Um, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm uh, absorbed. I'm absorbed in the story. So every night, every night, I would have this sequence run through my, my head. I guess I was dreaming. I'd be out in the middle of the street, right in front of the house. Dark. You know, it was nighttime. But of course, you could see the light standards were on. You know, they had the old big globed lights, you know, back in the old neighborhood yeah. and stuff like that. That's what they had. They didn't have all this obnoxious lights today, but uh, nobody would be on the street, nobody. And I'd be walking down the middle of the street and I would see a door right in the middle of the street, old wooden door, right? And I grabbed a knob and I'd push it open. And when I stepped through that door, I'd be floating in space. I'd be, I'd be out in space. And I mean, it was beautiful. You know, just the coolest sensation. And you, every kid has these flying dreams, you know, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Uh, I did too, routinely. But I, t I got I to make a comment on that. Uh, as I got older, I started to realize that these flying episodes that children have, they're not dreams. But what is happening is they're out of their body and they are flying. However, they're so young uh, and if they're even if they're reincarnated, they, they must have lost a recall or whatever. They don't realize what's happening. So their young mind, their young conscious mind has to fabricate a scenario that's acceptable to that little brain. Right. Because yeah. you don't know what's happening. So here I am, uh, not only in my deep space, but I'm flying around now. Back in the 60s, when I was a kid, we had the streetcar system here in St. Louis and it ran everywhere. So there were electric wires all over the streets. You know, that's what I saw when I was a kid, just running down the middle of the street. There was tracks and up in the sky on the poles, there were all the electric wires that facilitated the movement of these trolleys, right? Oh, wow. And uh, the streetcar system went out probably in their like 63, four-ish, something like that. Because I remember riding them routinely, but I had a healthy fear of being electrocuted, right? Uh, so in my, in my spontaneous out-of-body episodes, I would be, because I had no control, I was just a kid, I didn't know what was happening, but I'd be floating upwards, you know, and I'd be nearing these wires in the street. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't touch those because I'm going to be shocked, I'm going to be killed, right? And right. so it, what happens when you, when you create that fear in you, your comp you know it compensates and it brings you back down right so i've come back down to the ground and each time i had one like i had the jumping you you, you might have experienced some of this yourself you ever have these dreams where you're walking down the street and you want to step off the curb to the other side of the street but you kind of float 
you know, but you can't make it all the way across, you know? Oh, yeah. So you come down in the middle of the street and then you'd walk the rest of the way. So in my mind, I'm thought, I got to get to the other side by floating. I have to. I can't believe I'm coming down like that. So what it is, is fear. You know, it's fear of what's happening to you at the moment and, and what is the phenomenon and are you going to be okay? Are you going to come back? You know, like uh, in my early years during spontaneous episodes, I'd get up there and I'd start, if I wasn't, if I didn't awaken out in space, then I would, I would start from the very beginning, not the separation process, but I would wake up in a scenario where I'm on the street, you know, uh, and so being on the street in an out-of-body experience, you relate all the known laws of physics that pertain to the mundane plane. It's ingrained in your head, you know, like we're yeah. only five feet off the ground, but believe me, when you fall, it hurts, right? Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so you that's in you, right? It's ingrained in you. Uh, so I had to overcome these fears. But as time goes by, I'm able to fly higher. I'm starting to, I'm I, I, like, I don't know anything about movement because you create a body in your out-of-body experiences. You will create your shell because that's what your mind knows. You know, right. it's not necessary. You can be a point of consciousness, but you have to train yourself to do that because your conscious mind is going to create that body for you because that's what you live in. Right. So here you got this awkward body and you're floating. Or you're trying to move, you're trying to get in motion to move forward. So I'm going through the motions, like the only motions that I know, like swimming, right? It's propelling me slowly through the air. Then I'm like doing this and stuff. So there were all kinds of sequences that I had to deal with when I was a kid for these spontaneous projections. But by the 80s, I told myself, I'm going to get a hold of this. You know, I'm going to find out how to control it and how to bring it on. And a very, very good friend of mine, known him since 69, still see him all the time. Um, he comes over with an Omni magazine and in it was an article uh, by Stephen LeBurge, who is not an out-of-body expert, but he is one of the premier authors of uh, Lucid Dreaming, right? So I, I gave it a read. I'm always interested in that kind of stuff. And he had a set of exercises in the magazine that would trigger your consciousness to awaken in a dream to experience a lucid dream so i thought well, i'm gonna start doing that you know why not am i already yeah. experienced spontaneous projections uh, lucid dreams are totally different now there are camps out there that would tell you that a lucid dream is an out-of-body experience but i guarantee you it is not it is not there's a whole difference dreams my friend are just that weird shit that your mind puts together that you experience in a day or two or a week or a month and it comes all together and you get the weirdest freaking scenarios right i mean i'll give you an example i did awaken and so i started practicing these these exercises at, to to awaken my consciousness to a lucid dream and one of those experiences was um I awaken and I'm on a 10 speed bike, the old road bikes, you know, the thin ones. Uh, so I'm riding down the middle of the street. Now I know that I'm dreaming because my consciousness is awake. Uh, but it's weird because strapped to my back is a set of concrete steps. Now that's a dream. <laughs> you know what I mean? That ain't real. That's a dream. And that's what dreams are made of all these weird things, right? Well, I wanted to get beyond, but LeBurge's 
techniques to awaken your consciousness was a stepping stone to how I really got a hold of getting out of your body. And I used a lot of his methods to set up scenarios to awaken me, first of all, uh, because I was still, I was still uh, awakening in a spontaneous projection, which means your consciousness can awake at any time. You might already be out of your body before you awaken, you know, okay. and then you find yourself somewhere. What I wanted to do is experience it from the very moment that your mm -hmm. consciousness leaves your body and then what, you know, and then whatever. So it is a learning curve. Long story short, long, long story longer. I mean, this, I set up this scenario uh, because I, I still had these fears of these electric wires, even as a young man, you know, I don't want to be electrocuted. I'm thinking I'm still on the Monday. It's so real. When you're out of your body, dreams are not real. Dreams are weird and they're fantasy and they're made up of all kinds of weird stuff. It's just goofy. When you're out of your body, there is, it is ultra real. It is nothing like you've ever experienced. Everything is alive. Everything is, there's nothing weird about an out-of-body experience, except that it is the most real thing you will ever experience. And well, I guess there is some things, the colors are brilliant. You know, I mean, uh, you can see, you have a 360 degree field of vision, you know, because you don't really have a body. You're going to have one because that's what your consciousness tells you you need until you outgrow that, you know, until you learn you don't need it, but you will. You'll form your own body. So when you see everything all at once, you're thinking you're seeing it out of the back of your head, but you don't really have a head, but you, you think you do. So you get 360 degree field of vision. Stephen LeBurge helped me propel myself to consciously will myself to leave my body and experience it from the moment my body falls away to sleep until my consciousness separates from the physical shell. And man, let me tell you, that's a trip. So I set up this scenario uh, that didn't involve wires. So initially <clears throat> I'm in a dream state, right? And I find myself on this beautiful green football field in one of our largest parks here in St. Louis. No trees. I was always afraid when I was a kid that if I flew above the trees, I'd never get back. I'm grabbing for the branches, you know? I'm like, oh man, I'm floating. But I'm, if I float past these trees, what am I going to hang on to? How am I going to get back to earth? I didn't know. I was just a kid, you know? Um, so I set up this scenario where I'm on a football field. There's no trees. I don't have to worry about it. I see this brilliant, anytime that I had a dream state that would, that would tell me that I'm changing consciousness, my finer frequencies, I would always see brilliant green grass or a brilliant green carpet. It would be, it'd be like a neon. And that told me, I'm, I'm changing frequencies, but my mind is still setting up these mundane scenarios, right? So right. I find myself on this football field and there's no, there's no streetcar. They're all gone anyway. And they've been gone for decades, but there's no wires in the way. There's no telephone poles. I'm on a football field right out in the middle. And with that, man, I just thought to myself, boom, leave, leave your body. And I shot straight out into space. And I'm telling you, I used to teach a class in out-of-body experiences and it was titled traveling at the speed of thought. And I'm telling you, that's gotta be close to the speed of, of light or faster because instantaneously I'm in space and I'm flying and it, man, I got the chills. This is my first consciously willed out-of-body experience. Although I've had it my whole life. I'm flying and I see, the, I mean, I'm just moving away from the earth. 
and I'm seeing the stars go by and, and I'm just, so I think to myself, faster, 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 you know, and I'm just flying way out. And I don't even know how far I was out. Earth was about that big when I turned around. Well, I didn't really hit the turn around. You can see it out of the back of your head, which had no head, but I thought I did. Uh-huh. I see Earth, it's about the size of, I don't know, a golf ball or something, right? And so I stop, I just stop. And I'm, and I'm just like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm part of this whole universe. This is me, I'm made of it. This is, I am the universe. You know, this, it, there mm-hmm. are no spoken words to describe it. And literally it is beyond description. You have to experience it for yourself. The closest thing that I could come to is ecstasy. It, it was unbelievable. You knew you were part of everything and all of it, you know? So I see the earth behind me and I thought, well, I'm gonna fly back to earth, right? So boom, and I mean, I'm booking. I'm just flying and the earth is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I can see our own atmosphere. I fly through that, you know, and then I see the cloud and it did, I had no, no problems with heat or anything like that, you know? Uh, right. You know, in the physical plane, you have to deal with that kind of stuff. But when you're on, when you're when you're a gossamer, when you're you know you're really just there might be some material aspect of the astral body, but it's very very light. It's gossamer, so you don't you don't experience that heat. So I came through the atmosphere, and I come into a cloud bank, and I went through the clouds, and I could feel the moisture on my face. You know, not that I had a face, but I thought I had a face, and. Uh, right. And then everything clears brilliant. And I could see the, I could see this whole big city. And I gathered, it was like in my mind, I'm thinking California. It's a big body of water, right? Maybe the Pacific or something. And um, I see this bridge and every detail about this old iron bridge. It was painted and, it was, and the paint was peeling off of it and the rust was brilliant red. And there's not a thing on the bridge except one yellow Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, so I get the idea that I'm coming to, I'm going to come down and I'm just going to dive into the water. Right. Uh, and I thought, well, I wonder what would it be like to just dive in the water. So that was my intention and I'm flying down. And the next thing you know, I get about a foot off the water and I got my hands behind me and I'm trailing them, just skimming them off the water. And I didn't go in because I wanted to go under this bridge. I wanted to fly under this bridge, but flew under this bridge. Then I went up over the top of the bridge, maybe, I don't know, 50 yards above the bridge. And I just stopped. And I'm like, man, this is unreal. I can see everything for miles in all directions. It is, it is brilliant. The, the light is just unreal. And I want to talk about the light too. This is just really strange phenomenon. Uh, a lot of people don't experience that, but that's what I experienced. And I, and I kind of got an idea where it is. So I finally, I slowly descend on this bridge on the concrete road and that was it. I came out of it for some reason. I got started getting these physical sensations, you know, being on a bridge or being human and walking and stuff like that. But I came out of it and my whole body, when I woke up, was just buzzing with electricity, buzzing. You know what I mean? I was charged, supercharged. I need yeah. to tell you this. People don't understand. Uh, this happens to everyone every single night, bar none, to some degree. However, we have taken upon us as human beings to carry all this crap from the mundane plane, not only in our minds, but in our waking days. And, you know, we get tired and our bodies are hurting. And, you know, we, so we have a lot that we think about. But when you unfetter your mind, stuff starts to happen and you can remember. So I started once, once I did that, and thank you, Stephen LeBurge, for that. Um, 
although he still says there's no such thing as an OBE, he's wrong. Um, <laughs> he is wrong. I'm, I'm here to tell you he's wrong. And there's some new authors out there. I haven't read every treatise on uh, OBEs. I used to read a lot. I have, I got, I, I have tons of books on the out-of-body experience, but I'm an old dude. So a lot of my treatises come from the 1800s and forward, move forward to early 20th century pioneers of uh, OBE work like Robert Monroe, uh, you know, he, he's got the Monroe Institute down in, um, on your, and down in your negative was like somewhere along that line down there. Um, Virginia, is it, is it is Virginia? I think it is. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, so, uh, he is one of the early 20th century pioneers of, um, of out-of-body experience. I read everything he ever wrote. Uh, I, I found that his techniques were somewhat difficult at first. I started using them, uh, but I read everybody old and new and I don't subscribe and I don't, I don't want anybody to think you know there's a lot of people out there that are afraid they're afraid for many reasons you're going to be possessed while you're away from your body or you're not going to come back or something out there is going to get you listen and I don't mean to sound smart but you got to get it together up here right mm -hmm. you got to kill those fears man because fear will stunt your growth in all aspects far none so you have to unlearn everything you ever learned. People say that you'll be possessed if you leave your body and that, that keeps them from it. Now, this is, uh, this is probably due to their upbringing and what they've learned in their life, right? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. I don't subscribe to uh, fear. I don't subscribe to, and they may be out there. Some things may be malevolent, right? But you got to know what you're capable of, uh, capable of. And people are going to think that I'm arrogant, but I can tell you this, when I'm out there, I'm Godzilla and the rest is Japan. I ain't lying. I'm the king. <laughs> I am. I am. There is nothing. There is nothing out there that's ever going to hurt me ever. And I know this and I will not be possessed and I'll come back to my body because that's what happens. You come back to your body until you're ready to leave. Paramanza Yogananda left his body and never came back, but he was ready to go. I don't know if you ever read uh, autobiography of a yogi from Paramanza Yogananda. But that's what that's how he passed. That's how he transitioned. He he had a uh, convocation one day. Uh, he was a, um, a yogi. Um, and after his convocation, he went back to his uh, quarters, laid down and left his body and never came back. He was ready to what? go. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's called what? Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh, it's a fantastic book. Yeah. Autobiography of a Yogi. Paramanza Yogananda. Yogananda. And it has an H in Paramanza but the H is silent. So a lot of people say Paramahansa, but it's Paramahansa Yogananda. And he's from India. Fascinating story. Listen, man, you're going to see in that book, you will read all kinds of phenomena, like manifestation, you know, like pulling, pulling stuff, manifesting stuff. This is like Jesus stuff, right? You're manifesting out of the thin air stuff, no matter what it is. And there is account after account after account in his book about personages in india doing just that and there's one guy um he was uh he, he his claim to fame in india was that he could he could wrestle any bengal tiger and win right and he did and there was this sultan over there somewhere i don't know what age it was uh because i forgot and i'm old but he summoned this guy to his palace he goes i got a bengal tiger did you, you he's gonna kill you and he goes, okay, I'll do it, right? So he does it, and the tiger tears his arm off. And the yogi 
grabs his arm and runs out of the palace. And the next day, believe this or not, this is in the book. I didn't write it. His arm was attached to his body and he was fine. You know, wow. not surgically, but it was on. His arm was there and complete and whole. And when he went back to the Sultan, the Sultan became one of his disciples. So, I mean, there's all kinds of miraculous stuff in Autobiography of Yogi. It's a great book, a good read uh, about the esoteric uh, side of life. And his philosophy was, uh, what he, his desire was to come to America, didn't even speak English, uh, and, and not only uh, present to the Western world the royal path to God consciousness, which is Kriya Yoga, coupled with the original teachings of Jesus. And man, I got a lot of his books, the, the, his translations from, uh, you know, like the Bible and stuff to, to show another side of the meaning of these teachings. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Anyway, that was, you know, that's just Paramahansa Yogananda. So uh, getting back to the out of body thing, I, I have no fear about being possessed. I have no fear about meeting some, I've had things jump on me on the other side. I've been to so many different uh, levels, uh, if you will, frequencies, you know, there, there's constructs out there that the human consciousness creates, right? There's millions of people that think alike, right? Like attracts like. So when you die, you're gonna go, you're gonna go to what psychologically fits you in your mind, what you have psychologically, what you carry with you at the time of your death, what your beliefs are, what your experiences are, what makes you happy or whatever, you're gonna vibrate. You're, there's no difference between your mundane vibration, except that you no longer have a body and your psychological uh, thought process. So if you're a criminal or a murderer and you die a criminal or a murderer and you still have that line of thought, well, let me tell you something. I don't think there's a heaven or a hell, however, I do think this, you will reap what you sow and it's your doing because you have not progressed psychologically and you are vibrating on a very low frequency as a murderer. And believe me, where you think you're going? You think you're going to someplace called heaven? No, <laughs> you better be prepared to be in an environment of your own creation, your own psychological makeup. So get over, you know, now, is it eternal? I don't think so. This, this torment, you're going to torment yourself if that's the, that's the way it is. That is true. That is my truth, right? That's what I feel. Uh, right. God's not going to pass judgment on you. You're going to pass judgment on you, believe me, because you ain't going to be able to escape your own psychological process until you get over it, you know, until you know and you search for the finer things and for the, the higher life and the goodness, you know. There is good and evil. There's good and bad, sure. I don't think there's a heaven and hell. I got to tell you this story. One time I'm way out in space in, in an out-of-body experience. And people might say this is ridiculous. I've had Christians, uh, and I'm not, a, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe to any religion or anything. But I want to know. I want to know everything that I could possibly know. I'm in an out-of-body experience, and I'm way out in space. And the next thing you know, what appears before me, here's what I think. If you're looking for the ultimate gear in EDC or survival, go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check them out. Um, I've had Chris on the show a couple of times. It's his business. It's veteran-owned. Every component of every product is 100% made in America. 
plus you get packs uh, that have the coolest names ever. You know, like the Rock Ape or the Minahuni. Go check out SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Uh, use promo code BUMP10 and save 10% off of any product site-wide. I think I stood before God. Wow. The God, right? The God God. God to me, it's God to me, capital G, is not a a figure who looks like us sitting on a throne in the kingdom of heaven. It is a, it is a live living force. It is a force. And here's how it appeared to me. And believe me, by this time, I'm all over. I'm flying here. I'm flying. I I got thousands of experiences and out-of-body experiences. This moment appearing before me the entire field that I'm in is the most brilliant, beautiful, liquid, undulating gold that I've ever seen. Have you ever seen the Dove commercials where they got the satin sheet? It's, yeah. Well, multiply that by a thousand in its brilliance and fluidity. And it's just this undulating field of liquid gold everywhere. And I got to tell you something. I was humbled. I was humbled. And even though I didn't have a body, I knelt down. I knelt down. Yeah. That presence to me was God. I'm in the presence of God and I need to be humble. That's what I said to myself. And that's what I did. You know, um, one of the most powerful out of body experiences that I've ever had. And then I've had them on a mundane plane. Shoot, man. <laughs> I was married before and I was writing a class. I taught a class about this and um, I'm in the afternoon. I'm taking a nap and I got out of my body and I'm walking down the hall and I go in and I see my, my wife then uh, playing a piano, you know, and she's in the living room playing a piano. And uh, so I turn around and I go, so then I, blah, I don't know what else happened, but I awaken and I, and I walk in by this time she's doing something else. I said, uh, what were you playing on the piano? And she goes, how do you know I was playing the piano? I said, because I came in here and saw you you know, when I'm, when I was out of my body and she uh, actually brought me out of the stone age. I, I typed all my stuff on a typewriter. Right. And right. Uh, this is when I guess the internet and computers were really starting to take off. And I had no idea or interest, <laughs> you know, I like the feel of a typewriter. Right. She took my damn typewriter and started writing, writing my material on a computer. I said, no, this is not cool. You know, this is not cool. But what it did was for her, cause super super pragmatic uh didn't believe in shit you know i'm like damn that's just cold so what happens is she starts writing my material rewriting my material on a computer and i'll be damned if she didn't have an out-of-body experience and freaked her out she goes oh my god uh-uh. believe she goes you won't believe it i'm just yeah so it was it was cool you know to to see somebody who was a non-believer actually have the experience because she was working with my material so much you know it impressed upon her the idea to do yeah. it you could do it in 21 days. You know, it's a scientific fact that you can create a habit in 21 days. It takes discipline, you know, yep. um, but you can have it at any time man. you can have it in times of trauma. You could have, listen, when I was a kid, I'm 11 years old, right? And I'm on the back of a motorcycle going down the highway, family members, motorcycle taking me for a ride. I'm 11 years old and uh, speed limit 70 miles an hour here in St. Louis back in the day. Uh, we're coming up on a, a hill and on the passing lane by the guardrail, there is um, an accident and a car smashed up on a rail, flares out, right? Well, that's the lane we were in. So I had to stop. We, we had to stop. And uh, so 
I turned my head to look in the center lane to see if it was clear so we could get around this. Because, you know, this is full day's traffic and, and flying the boot. I turned around just in time to see a pickup truck coming over the hill and slamming into me at 70 miles an hour. Bam! Oh. And I mean, I thought for a second I was dreaming. I thought because the clouds were just spinning. They were just, you know, I was just like, that's weird. You don't usually see clouds, you know, turning around <laughs> in circles like that. And then I hit the ground, bam! But for that split second, I was thrown out of my body. Uh, and then, and I just, you know, but when I hit the ground, I knew, oh, this ain't no dream. <laughs> this is not yeah. an honor, this has really happened and I'm, I'm really messed up. And uh, I got hurt real bad, but uh, this is a long story. Anyway, uh, so in times of trauma, you can leave your body. Uh, in, in times of uh, extreme fatigue, you can leave your body. Uh, you can leave it at any time. Get this one time. And, and by this time, I've, I've gained control of it. I'm, I'm, you know, I know how to do it. I have to bring it on. So I would experiment with places that I would go, you know, and, and I'd have targets and things like that. But that old spontaneous stuff, man, once you get into it, once you elevate your, your vibrational frequency, shit starts to happen, right? I'm in my truck, my pickup truck. I'm going down 270 during a work day, you know, heading off to a place. I, I used to haul electrical supplies for building contractors. And I left my body in the driver's seat. I'm, I'm, I left the roof. I went through the roof of the truck, the cab, and I'm outside of the freaking truck. And my hands are still on the wheel. And I'm like, this is not cool. <laughs> this is not cool at all. I got to get back down in my truck, right? So I'm forcing myself to get back down on my truck. And I, and I finally came back in. I don't know how long the episode lasted. Too long. Believe me, you don't want to be away from the steering wheel when your truck's moving down the highway and your physical no. body's still in it. So I'm thinking, man, that is what a strange, bizarre happening, you know, I left my butt. But get this, I ain't the only one that ever did that. So I started researching who did it. Charles Lindbergh did it in his plane. So he's flying the solo flight, right? Next thing you know, he, he starts hearing voices. And the next thing you know, he went through the fuselage of his plane and is above his plane while his plane and when he's doing the solo flight across the land. So oh I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> oh man, dude. Uh, but the, I, I want to tell people about something. I don't yeah. know anything in my life. You know, we, we never stop learning and I don't want to brag about nothing because what I know is about that big, right? Here's what I know. You survive death consciously. You survive your physical death. You will keep your cohesive identity. Bo will be Bo. Dennis will be Dennis for a while. I don't know if that lasts forever, but I do know. And I've had a million experiences, not a million because I don't have that many relatives. I've seen every dead relative that I ever sought after they died on the astral plane. And I'm using astral plane as a generic term, right? There's right. many different levels of existence out there. And I want to say existence, but where these, where my family resides on those planes, wherever that is, I, I'm referring to astral plane, not necessarily on the astral plane, but that's what I'm saying. Because there's going to people going to say that. Uh, I've seen everyone. Now, and I've talked to them, and they've talked to me and communicated to me. My, 
I could say in all these years, all these years, you've got to leave room for other possibilities, right? And so I hear all these new authors writing these books about OBEs, that it's all a product of your mind. OBEs are not real, but this is a product of your mind, and this is what you can do with them, right? I disagree 100%. But let me preface that by saying every experience I ever had, thousands of them, indeed could have been manufactured in my brain. You have to give that the possibility, but I know it's not true. I have sure. one story, one story in all my existence that proves me, to me beyond a reasonable doubt that you survived death and for some time you remain in your cohesive identity and you will have a body because that's what you're used to. You got to get over that psychologically, but that's what you're used to and that's what you will manifest. Back in 95, my grandfather, the, the only male surviving male in my family, they all, all the men in my family died young. I swear to God, I'm, I thought I was never going to make it to 30 because all the men before me, gone, killed somehow, right? Except yeah. for my grandfather, who was the last of the, of the old ones. Um, so long story short, he's in the hospital and I had been visiting them, him there. He had uh, pneumonia and uh, he was dying. You know, they, they couldn't get, get a hold of pneumonia. Uh, so the day before he passed, he was delirious. I went to see him in a hospital. I told him I loved him. He didn't recognize me. He used to call me Chico. He was Spanish and, and he would, uh, he, that was my nickname since the day I was born, Chico. So he, he looks at me and he goes, who are you? And I said, oh, it's me, Chico. And he goes, you don't look like Chico. And I said, that's okay. You know, I, I knew he was, they had him on drugs and probably morphine and stuff just to, calm, you know, not have any pain. So he didn't recognize me. So I told him I loved him. I didn't stay long. And I whispered in his ear, I said, I want you to come back and I want you to tell me what it's like on the other side. So he passes the next day and um, they called me in off, off my work and I left work early to, to go take care of all that. And it was his wish that I uh, distributed some of the rifles that he collected over the years to, fam to the men in the family, right? The existing men of the right. family. So I went over to his house and I, and I got all these it wasn't the next day, but it was, you know, a week or so or something like that. You know, you just don't do that right away. Anyway, uh, I collected them all um, and I brought them back to my place. Now, I at the time, I worked for FedEx and I worked a mid shift. So it was started at three o'clock. Right. Night before. I'm, I'm out of my body and I'm experimenting. I'm, I'm walking around my house, you know, uh, when I hear a doorbell ring and I'm like, damn, somebody's ringing the door. It gets weird, you know. I mean, some of these scenarios. Sometimes you come back, you're in a true experience, and then your your mind takes over and you create some type of a dream scenario. But this was pure. The doorbell rings. I go downstairs to answer it. I open the door. This is my grandfather with his arms stands wide, like he wants to embrace me, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" I grab my hug him. He's already ten years younger, and that's been my experience. Every single person I've ever encountered relative or friend, because I have friends die too and I had to try to find them, has once they realize what they, how they can manipulate this body that they're given, this is where the whole glorified pure body comes in, you know, the biblical yeah. uh, references to like a purified body. This is what it is. You're free from your disease, right? But since psychologically you had a body on the mundane plane, psychologically, you're going to create a body. And guess what? You're going to realize, and I don't know how long that takes, 
what you can, how you can manipulate that body. So you're going to take yourself to a time in your last, in, your last living physical incarnation to the epitome of your health and youthfulness and happiness. And that's 100% is what they do. 100%. So he was already looking 10 years younger. And I told him so. And I said, I put my arms on his shoulders and I said, you got to tell me what it's like. And he goes, I don't have time for that. I go, wait, that, that. you got nowhere to go. You got nowhere to go. You got to tell me what it's like on the other side. He goes, no, I'm here to tell you that your job is in jeopardy. Don't go to work today. And I said, what? That's not what I want to hear. You know, and he goes, I got to go. I said, where are you going? You got to know. Then he disappears. So I come out of the experience. I write it down in my journal, right? Everything. I'm writing it down. Now I had collected his weaponry and I'm an archer. Uh, So I have a lot of bows and I had them in my closet. And uh, I'm an old timey archer. I got recurves and long bows and and I got a couple of Asiatic bows as well. And I got them all positioned in the closet and, and you're not supposed to store anything on their limbs, but this was temporary because I wanted to, put his guns in there and it was a smaller closet so i had a bow rifle bow rifle bow rifle like that you know and it must have been eight rifles or whatever of, of different calibers and things and uh so it's getting close to three it's like 20 to three i'm not far from work grab the door to my house to leave and my phone rings i want them old rotary jobbies right and uh i pick up the phone hello and it's a woman there's a woman on the phone and, and I got an unlisted number. I'm a very private person uh, when it comes to information. Too late now. We, there's no more anonymity. Everybody knows who we are, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, back then, you had a little bit of privacy, uh, or at least they made us think we had privacy. So a woman answers, and she, and she says, um, is this Dennis with the snake? I had a python for 13 years. And um, I said, and you know, I was kind of puzzled. She didn't tell me who she was, and I didn't recognize her voice. She goes, is this Dennis with the snake? I said, yeah, who's this? She goes, because he said Dennis with the snake. And there's two Dennis's in my family, see? And uh, I'm like, yeah, this is Dennis with the snake. Who's this? She goes, this is your cousin Robin. Now, and you want to talk about a real psychic dude? I hadn't seen her in 25, 30 years, but I didn't know where she lived. I didn't know where she went or did with her life, right? Hey, I, I lost all contact with her. She goes, this is Robin, your cousin. I said, Robin Strong? She said, yeah. I said, but what the hell, Robin? Where are you living? What are you doing? She goes, I live in California. I said, how'd you get my number? She never answered that. Uh, She said, I have a message for you from your grandfather. And he told me to tell you, don't go to work today. Your job's in jeopardy. Dude, if that is not corroboration, for life after death, then there is no yep. such thing. Yep. I could say everything I ever experienced in my life, you could say, oh, you made it up. How can I make that shit up? I didn't see that woman in 30 years. I right. didn't know. She said to me the exact thing he said to me, not 12 hours earlier, right? So I said, I believe every word you're saying because he told me that now body experience right here in my own house last night. And she goes, I, well, she's the bonafide psychic. I mean, she got connections. Oh, by the way, you know, Ashley got excited. The feathers thing, you know, she's got this thing with feathers. And a lot of people do. I mean, I got a, I got a bunch of them I've collected over the years right over here. Right. But 
she used to tell me that when she asked her, and she's a big angel person, right? Archangel Michael and Raphael and all that. Uh, she talks to them on the daily, right? And, and who knows else? God and Jesus and everybody else, right? That's fine. I love her for it. She's beautiful. Got a beautiful heart. I don't necessarily just subscribe to the same things. You know, the phenomenon might be real. I, I, I want to find out what it really is. She's telling me about these feathers, right? And uh, so sure enough, she's not lying. When we got into the truck down this lake where she lived, down in Cape Forever, and one flew through. But that ain't all, man. That ain't all. There was a sequence of events. And she, we were not living together at the time. She was still, you know, she still lived way out. And uh, she said, she said something about Raphael uh, being one of my spirit guides or something. And I never really thought about spirit guides. I never really entertained it. They're there, I'm sure, in some form or whatever they are. I'm sure there are people or things or whatever. Anyway, but I just, it's not something that crossed my mind a lot. And I never really entertained it. And I don't like to use biblical terms uh, because I don't want to pigeonhole stuff, you know, events and, and figures and things. Um, angels. She said, well, you got to talk to Raphael. Uh, you know, he's your, he's your spirit. I said, hey, you know, he's my spirit guy, you know? She goes, well, I'm going to tell him to send you a feather, right? Now, I'm in my house that night. I go to sleep, right? I'm sleeping on my stomach. Bo, this happened. <laughs> this really happened. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm sleeping on my stomach, dude, and I don't have feather pillows. And I ain't seen a feather since I went out in the woods and picked one up, Right? I'm laying like this and I open my eyes. I don't believe it. I still don't believe it. I don't know how it happened. I don't. It's a feather this big in my face, laying on my bed right there, right there. And I'm, I open my eyes and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, come on. This has got to be some kind of a joke, right? This has got to be a joke. <laughs> so I called her. I said, who'd you put up to this? She wasn't, she wasn't even living with me at the time, you know? She, yeah. we, she's still living in her own place. And she goes, no. She goes, why? What happened? I said, I wake up this morning. I'm on my belly. And my head's turned to the side. When I open my eyes, it's a big ass feather staring me right in the face on my bed. On my bed. I don't yeah. know how it happened. Unless I sleptwalk and got one of my feathers or something. And I'm not a sleepwalker. I don't sleepwalk. Right. I don't know how to explain it. But Bo, it happened. And it continued to happen for days. <laughs> I get up early in the morning. I'm going to the grocery store. She's still living away from me, but I decided I want to call her. So I took a book with me, the store, the grocery store that I was, I get up real early. I like to get up early because man, you miss so much those morning hours. There's so much there. Right. So I get up early, but the store is not open yet. So I'm sitting in the parking lot in my pickup truck and I got the windows down and I'm reading the book. Um, and I'm just picking through this book, <laughs> a damn feather floats through the window and lands on my knee. Uh -huh. <laughs> just like i'm like no no that didn't just happen but it did happen you know and so she's legit when she tells you whatever listen i've never seen a person like her 100 whatever she asked for it manifests who she's talking to i don't know who they are you know she calls them the names of the angels and stuff like that whatever they really are they listen to her and they act and they answer her it's unbelievable. I've never seen anybody like it. And believe me when I tell you, I've experienced a lot myself, but these, these, these biblical reference things, I have a little bit of time with them, only because of translation. 
that's it. You know, you, you show me original language and explain it to me in original language. We got to, we got something to talk about, but right. They answer whoever they are. Go they answer her, man. Um, I never, I, I never seen anything like it. And it, she's genuine. And when she told you, she really kind of downplayed her whole accent. I, I, the moment she left the driveway at work, I thought, Oh my God, I think she's going to get in an accident today. Sure enough. She tells me about this whole thing, you know, about the wow. truck spinning around and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, because we had a, you know, you, you get to know somebody like you, you know, your wife real well. You ever have psychic connections with your wife, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you do that. Right. You, it happens yep. when you get close. So I, I thought this in my mind, oh my gosh, she's going to have an accident. And I don't know why I didn't tell her. I never tell these moments. And I told you I could see the future, right? Uh, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I can't do it at will. I can't do it at will, but it comes on, right? I saw in a scenario, I was sleeping. Uh, I had, a, I guess you could call it a dream or whatever, or a precognitive dream or whatever. I walk into a bank and there's a line of people. Um, and I walk up behind this guy. Now there's, by the time I get to the line, there's like three, three people deep or something, something like that. And I'm standing in line waiting to go to the teller. Now that's what I'm seeing with what I think is my own vision, right? Uh, there's a guy in front of me and then the, the woman takes off. So there's just me and the other dude. And the dude walks up to the window and somebody comes in behind me with a pistol and he sticks it to my back. Now, let me preface this. If I see an event in my mind that involves people or a person, I see it through their eyes, right? So this guy sticks a gun in my back and he mm -hmm. tells the teller, now there's somebody at the window and I'm behind this guy, but he's screaming at the teller. If you don't give me all your money, I'm shooting this dude. And she hesitated and he shot me. And here's what I realized right off the bat. I'm not going to die. And it's a small caliber pistol. And he didn't get the money and he ran out, right? After he shoots me because he creates all kinds. Of, and I'm laying on the floor, but I know I'm not going to die, right? And I come out of it. I come out of the dream and I go, to, I go to work. Now I'm going to work. And then eight, 12 hours later, I got the radio on in my town. Some dude comes into a bank, shoot, puts a gun in the back of the one of the patrons. It's a 22 caliber, and he pulls the trigger and shoots the dude. Wow. The dude didn't die, and the guy never got the money. Now I don't know what happened if they ever found him or what, but that's real. Right. That happened. And that's the way I see things. I saw I saw the sun in a vision shaking in the firmament. And I'm like, well, that doesn't happen. The sun doesn't shake in the firmament. So earthquake, right. that's what I'm thinking, right? Big earthquake. Next day, less than 12 hours, big giant earthquake happens. Big giant earthquake in California, wow. you know? I'm like, man. So that kind of thing happens all the time, but I can't, I can't control it, you know? Yeah. And you think you can, I guess there are people who can tell you. My mom used to do it. My mom warned this guy. He goes, she goes, look, you're going to get shot and you're going to lose the use of your legs. And he was a good friend of my mom's. And uh, he goes, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're out of your mind. And that poor bastard got shot and lost the use of his legs. And he blamed it on my mom. You know? <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. Course. Yeah, he blamed it on her. And, and so she yeah. was so distraught. Uh, that was just one event. But uh, the other things that she experienced, she kind of shut herself down. And you can do that, you know. You can shut that down if you don't want that 
to be present, you know, that, that ability or whatever that case may be, that precognitive ability, but I still have it. You know, I, I see it all the time. It happens all the time. That's crazy. But OBEs, you know, so here, here's what I'm telling people. Don't be afraid. Try it. Do, do your research. Read everything you can. There are some authors out there that subscribe to fear. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're not going you're, you're to experience what you want to experience. You know, <clears throat> if you subscribe to fear, get ready. You're going to experience the fear. Right? It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good on you uh, on those uh, other planes to live in fear. I uh, I started experimenting with a friend of mine. Yeah, I told you I was known him since '69. I told him one night I said, "I'm gonna get out of my body, come over to your house, and I want you to hide something that I'm gonna try to find it." So I go through the process, uh, and I and I separate from my body, and I go through the roof of my house, and I'm out in the night air. And so I go real high and the whole neighborhood takes on the appearance of a microfiche film, you know, from the old libraries. We used to roll in. That's yeah. So I said, the neighborhood's passing like that, but I'm looking down on them. Right. Everything's in a grid pattern and, and I'm looking for my buddy's house. And I finally find it. Boom. I go through his roof down into his living room. Bam. There I am in his living room. And, uh, and this wasn't the first. I can't remember which sequence it was, but I've been over there several times. So I'm just going to lump them all into one. Um, the first thing is, is that he had a, he had a basset hound named Rosie and uh, she must've been out of her body because she came right over to me. She's like, I can't believe you're here. She's like wagging her tail. Her ears are real long. He's just like happy to see me because he's a really, really good friend of me. And I know the dog real well. So she knows that I'm in her living room and she's out of her body too, because that's really the only way you can see, you know, something like that is if you're on the same frequency. So I pet her on the head, right? And the next thing you know, um, this rocking chair slides over, like tries to bowl me over, right? And I'm like, and I couldn't see who was doing it. And I said, oh, you might as well not do that because you, you're not doing any good. I, I said, I'm, I'm not, uh, I am a living human being. I'm out of my body, it's an experiment. And this woman manifested right in front of me. Oh, she's beautiful. She was a young woman. Uh, she had this beautiful red crinkle fry hair. You know what I mean? Like crinkle fry, yeah. you know how to get that. Yeah, yeah, like crimped, yeah. Yeah, crimped, yeah, crimped thing. But as you, pale skin, freckles, redhead, beautiful. She had on a classic white sundress. Now that's a, a piece of garment that goes throughout periods of time without changing. So I have no idea what period of time she's from, right? Yeah. She goes, what are you doing here? I told her, I said, well, this is an experiment. I said, uh, you're not the only one that occupies this house. I said, my friend lives here. He, uh, is, we got an experiment going, he's hidden something in the house and I wanna see if I can find it, you know? Cause I'm just conversing with this spirit and like, right. it's no big deal because by this time I, you know, I've seen and heard everything. Uh, so she thought it was extremely fascinating uh, and she she disappeared. So I go around and I'm looking for whatever. Well, I don't even know what he was hiding. You know, I just so I'm trying to find something that's out of place in his house. And I'm in the living room and he's got a fireplace. Pictures on the wall. He's an artist. I'm an artist. And he had painted a painting of his son. Well, that painting falls off the wall on its back, right, face down. And I see this envelope tucked in the back of the frame. 
don't know what else happened. I, I come out and wrote it down. So I called him up the next day. I said, all right, here's what I experienced. You know, with the with your son's painting falling off the wall and everything it was just like this envelope. And he goes, he goes, wow. He goes, he was a non-believer, big non-believer. And he goes, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. He goes, I put your name in an envelope and I put it behind my son's painting on the wall. Oh my God. And yeah. So it's corroboration from a non-believer, you know, that that's what he hid. That's what I found. Uh, that's that's remote viewing, man. Um, no, it was more than remote, remote viewing. Uh, and, and I've done that too. Uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, it's more than remote viewing. It is because I was out of my body, you know, yeah, cause you're there, um, right? People remote viewing is, man, you got to cut through, but there's so many things to cut through with remote viewing. I prefer a, a passive way to experience an out of body experience because it's pure. You don't have to wrestle with, um, so much interference from the mundane plane remote viewing on the other hand you're wide awake right so you're splitting your consciousness now you've got enough in your body of course quite a bit in your body to record what your these gestalts you get you know and you're writing them down and images whatever presents itself to you in a, in a remote session so yeah, you're writing you're right. it down okay. but but you're here and you're here at the same time yeah. you're yeah. going to experience everything in between and you got to right. filter that shit. You know what I mean? You you yeah. are not on one plane. You are on two planes. So at least two planes. So anything that presents itself within those boundaries of those two planes is fair game, right? All these remote viewers from the past, like uh, McGonagall and uh, um, who's the dude that did the psyops for the government? Uh, uh, Ed? Uh, yeah, the names are escaping me right now. But he was a, yeah, he was military. Uh, Ed, Ed something. I forget his name. Anyway. Um, you know, you get people reporting seeing the lizard people like in remote viewing sessions. I ain't never seen a lizard person and I don't want to see a lizard person. You know what I mean? If they exist, I don't want to see them because it's just too damn freak, right? Except right. for my neighbor in Afton. I know she was an alien. Dude, listen, I told you about this before, <laughs> didn't I? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Uh, but I don't want to see hold no on, aliens. Hold on, hold on. I don't want to see no reptiles. What? Who was an alien? My neighbor. <laughs> This chick, listen, you wouldn't believe it. She was so uncomfortable with her body, her physical body. She was so uncomfortable. She's lived next door to me. And she was very thin, very pale, so pale. You can see almost every vein in her body. Blue veins, right? Just running everywhere. <laughs> and when she had an extremely long neck and it had a flat, it was flared like a cobra hood and shit. You know what I'm saying? It had, and the thin membranes on both sides, it stuck out. Really freaky stuff, right? But that ain't all. She was very uncomfortable in a human body or something. I don't get it. When she blinked, her bottom eyelids came up to meet her top eyelids. No. Oh, yes, they did. Oh, yes, they did. And get this. Her favorite subject to talk about? was protecting her eggs and i'm like what <laughs> i know you got eggs and ovaries and stuff like that but i mean what do you mean by protecting your eggs <laughs> dude i tried to avoid her like the plague <laughs> she'll, she'll come over and uh no no i don't really want to come over <laughs> i don't really want to come over but i swear to you man she was a hybrid or something she had to be a hybrid it was just weird it was just too weird never seen yeah. anything like it in my life 
just her behavior was very, very strange. Uncomfortable with being social. Uh, yeah. Not not willing to, you know, I'm an extrovert. She was totally isolated. And once she'd see me out on a deck or something, she'd start talking to me. Oh, yeah, she's got to protect my eggs. And you see me that weird blink. And I'm like, oh, gee, look at the time, man. I got to go in, you know. <laughs> like, I don't really want to do it. But getting back to remote viewing, all right? So yeah. uh, you're splitting your consciousness is what you're doing. So you are, you're double timing it, man. You got to experience everything that's happening in front of you and then everything that's happening here. So there are things there. Now, I never seen anything in between. I did a couple of remote sessions. Um, I used to teach a, a class in the out-of-body experience. And, and the place I used to teach it at, they had uh, a remote viewer come in and, and was teaching us. So I'm learning this stuff, you know, as you go along. But it come to a point where we had a session. And there was probably eight of us, right? So I get my paper. And in a manila envelope, in the middle of the table is the object of whatever it is we were supposed to get, right? So right away, I see red dust everywhere, red dust. And uh, so I write down, red dust, desolate, uh, abandoned. Uh, and then I get an image of these people. They kind of reminded me of the Yanomami tribe in Venezuela and Brazil, uh, where they have jet black hair and they got this cut, uh, their bangs are cut straight across, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. and, and they still exist today. They're, they're still out there, but I get this. So I, I see these people and they got dark skin and, and I'm writing down first peoples, first peoples, first peoples. That's what's coming to my head. And you're supposed to write down everything in a remote view, viewing session, no matter what, and how goofy it is. Right. And then I see these Adobe structures with, and then I see plants hanging off of these Adobe structures and I'm writing all this down, but the red dust really got me, you know? And uh, so they we spent about an hour doing it or whatever the case may be. Everybody wrote down their stuff. In the envelope, guess what it was? Mars. Uh -uh. Yeah, Mars. So oh, I saw red dust. I'm thinking red dust, red dust, red dust. You know, first people, yeah. first people, first peoples. So that was my, my biggest experience for rem remote viewing. I prefer to keep it pure, a pure experience, get out on the plane, in that frequency and, and you know, cause man, if there's lizard people walking around in between them, <laughs> I want yeah. to see them. Hey, let me tell you a story about my grandpa before he died. Uh, what, I, what I didn't tell you was that uh, he, he died, ultimately died of pneumonia. That's what killed him, 87 years old. Uh, prior to that, uh, a year prior to that, he was uh, diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. He had a tumor on his lung the size of a baseball, right? Now, this is, this is a long story, so I'm going to make it short. He's in his bed. He's suffering. He's, he's taking whatever it is, the treatments. Um, but during this time when he had it, he said a demon, a little four-foot-tall demon, came into his room and jumped up on his bed and was trying to enter his body. And he said he fought with that thing all night long. And this demon's telling him, I live in there. I live in there. I live in there. And he goes, like, hell, you do. And he's fighting it, right? In the same time frame, because he was pretty bad with this, with this cancer. But here's where it gets really cool. He said one night, aliens came into his room and they told him, we're going to take you away from here and we're curing your cancer. And he said they took him through his window into their ship. 
And guess what? His cancer disappeared completely. The doctor gave him six months to live. There is more to that story that I was kind of involved in, but this is the part that I want to talk about. He said yeah. aliens came into his room. We're going to cure your cancer. And he took him into his ship and he cured his cancer. And he was complete. The doctors were astounded. And there's another reason I think that happened too, but this is the most important. They were astounded. That tumor was completely gone. It was the size of a baseball. Six months to live, gone. He said aliens cured him. They said he took him through the window. Now, my grandpa, other than the out-of-body experience that he talked about when I was a kid, never really talked about the esoteric. But his wife, she was all over it. She introduced yeah. me to the eating, you know, and all these sacred books and everything uh, from different cultures around the world. She'd always introduce me to these. Uh, so uh, I'm sure that he and her talked about it, you know. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. that was his story. Aliens cured his cancer. And um, so OBE stuff. Uh, what else I got to talk about? Oh, let me talk about. I said I had one more Bigfoot story, right? Um, back in 14, I called my oldest daughter. She'll be 40 this year. Um, I told her. I said, let's go down to the Mingo Wilderness. I know there's Bigfoot down there. Let's go kayak in the Mingo River, right? Oh, these huge cypress trees, you know, and Spanish moss hanging everywhere and just, you know, primordial atmosphere. So cool. She said, okay, let's do it. Now, my daughter, my oldest daughter, bold, dude. Let me tell you, she is bold. She's high places I wouldn't go to alone. <laughs> but, but thank God she's got me because I gave her every weapon known to mankind and she cares. Right? You know? <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate that uh, on her part for carrying it something. Anyway, uh, so, but she is afraid of snakes and I'm not, you know, I mean, we, we have five venomous snakes in Missouri. We got Masaga, Pygmy and Timber Rattlers. That's three rattlers. We got uh, Cottonmouth and Copperhead and a yeah. new hybrid that the Cottonmouth and Copperhead are naturally breeding. What? It's even in the conservation magazine here in Missouri. They have yellow tails and uh, they have naturally started to breed the cotton mouse and the, cot the, the copperheads. And they have been found by conservation people and imaged and cataloged and everything. So now wow. we got six, you know, but anyway, that was the five. She hates snakes. And uh, so I bought her a real nice machete on the way down uh, for the trip. And she says, I'm not coming down here to have fun. I'm, I'm coming down here to cut the heads off of venom snakes. That's how mean she was. And I said, okay, cool. But she didn't want to get out. She didn't want to get out. And, and like if we had the portage on, in the kayaks, she didn't want to get out and do it. You know, we, we, long story short, we hit the, we were heading for this place called Stanley Creek. And we're going down the Mingo. And there's a tree that came, it was a, the, the, the river had narrowed considerably. And it was a big uh, um, tree. It was one of my favorite trees. What the hell is one of my favorite trees? Shit, I can't even remember. I'm getting old, dude. Uh, what's the one with the sycamore? sycamore. Thank you very much. That's sycamore. Ashley. <laughs> Hi. Anyway, Hi, Ashley. Uh, hey. So <laughs> the sycamore had fallen down across the river, right? And uh, it was getting kind of shallow in that area. And she's like, my daughter, she's like, oh, that's it. Let's go. I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, we may never get a chance to do this again. We drove hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to get to this place, right? Hey, you're busy. People live, right? 
I said, we are here. You've got to work. I said, well, we can portage. She goes, I'm not portage. And uh, I said, I'm not stepping foot on land. And I said, okay. I said, let me check it out. So I'll wind my way into the branches of this tree in my kayak, right? And I find a way through. And I'm on the other side of the tree. And I said, okay, hey, come this way, come this way. She goes, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. And I said, no, you got to do it. You not, when are you going to come down here again? She did it. So we work our way north. And we head west up Stanley Creek. Time, as we know, it disappears. I mean, it's remote. And it's all these old cypress knees and the trees and the water and the beautiful the little bitty, it's, it's, what are the little bitty water plants that uh, cover, that can cover a, an area? They're tiny, they're real small and round. Um, it's not watercress. I think watercress is bigger, but anyway, it's a tiny plant and just covers the whole place. So yeah. you leave a wake uh, through these plant material when you're, when we're going down the, the, the creek. And by this time she's creeping because everything starts closing in. It's getting real <laughs> narrow, you know civilization disappears right and uh we're cruising along and this otter comes flying off the bank <laughs> out of her man she's screaming she's screaming at the top of her lungs and i'm like honey honey it's just an otter i don't care i don't care about two minutes later some fish jumps out of the you know the asian fish how they jump you know when they, oh, yeah. they hear it it wasn't an asian fish i don't think but anyway she spooked the fish and it come out of the water and slammed against her kayak and she was freaking she was absolutely freaking out. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I said, honey, don't be, don't be worried. What are you worried about? Three times something hammers her, her, her kayak, right? She goes, that's it. So I, I spy this bayou and I want to get in it, you know, or the bayou or a swamp area, you know, off the main channel. Oh, yeah. I said, I'm going to the cyber trees. So she goes, I'm staying here out in the channel. <laughs> and I said, all right, <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'll be, you know, a couple minutes. Let me just go in and check it out. So I'm, I'm paddling and then I'm like, oh, this is, this is heaven. I belong here. Right. So yeah. I hear this. Dad, dad. I'm booking it. I'm booking it out there. I get to the main channel. And she goes, her eyes are like this. They're like this. She goes, you are not going to believe me. Not going to believe me. I looked at her really calm. I said, honey, I will believe you. What do you think I brought you down here for? I said, what did you experience? She goes, there's a berm on the left side of the bank and uh there's you know landmass there's trees and stuff like that massive footfall that she said just reverberated through her chest big branches snapping grunting and i said oh my god i didn't hear it isn't it weird how one person hears something another person doesn't yeah. hear it but i was a, i was a, a bit of ways in the swamp but you would think that you would hear it being out so remote and where everything echoes and you know you get no interference from activity but I didn't hear it and I said I believe every word you're saying and uh she goes man these trees were like snaps like it was like thunder it was footfall it was just like I felt it and she goes I'm scared dad I'm scared I said don't be afraid I said let's just keep heading west right so we're paddling and we go about another mile right and she goes she goes oh my god you hear that I didn't hear shit she goes <laughs> it's it's vocalizing it's vocalizing you know I said what it sound like and she told me what it sounded like, and it sounded like a female. How they do them long, soft woos, you know? I said, oh, man, I didn't hear it. I can't believe I didn't hear it. But anyway, uh, that's, a, that's the extent. We didn't, we didn't have any more episodes or anything, but that's the extent of her. She was kind of a non-believer, too. You know, she entertained the thought. Now, she's a diehard. You know, 
she's a diehard. And I said, I told you. And they're all over down there. I mean, there's reports. You can go way back and, and see. I went down to Wapapello uh, on a, I thought I would solo camp down in the remote part of the, of the area down there along the, the, the lake. It's a huge lake. Uh, it's got a dam and everything. But I got, I got isolated off to this area where there were two fishermen. Uh, initially, there's a man and a woman. They were staying in some cabins up on the hill. They came down to fish off a dock and they said, they, there's this landmass right across the lake. It's not very far, it's maybe 50 yards and there's a, some uh, landmass there. And then, then it kind of swings around the cove and goes this way. They said that a Bigfoot came out to the tip of the landmass by the body of water and was throwing rocks at them. And then another one behind them started you know, oh, wow. screaming and throwing rocks. They, I guess the two were trying to meet and they were in between them. And oh, they wow. said they couldn't move. They said there's one behind them and there's one in front of them. Where are they going to go? They're on a dock, right? And they're at oh. the end of the dock on the pier. So yeah. they finally wound up, you know, got up enough courage to run back to the cabin. And they said those two screamed all night long. And because of that, I went down there to check it out right I, I did crazy stuff like that and yeah. i still do maybe not alone anymore but yeah <laughs> anyway i get down there and man it is remote dude it is remote um i didn't have any experience but i'll I'm, I'm tell you that I, I know they're down there because it wasn't 10 miles probably or maybe 15 miles as a crow flies that we did my daughter didn't experience you know she had that experience down on the mingo in the mingo wilderness and uh so they're all over down there uh, the bigfoot so what do we got? We got, I know I didn't say everything, but we got uh, ghosts, culted guys, UF, UFOs. Are you ready? Man, check this. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, over the years, I've seen, to me, they're definitely UFOs. I don't know what they are. That's unidentified, right? That's what yep. they are. I know that the US and Germany has had technology probably Germany first, you know, I believe Hitler went down there and found what he was looking for, you know, and got, got information on how to create these crafts. Um, but let me see, I'll give you one example. I'm, I'm still working for the electric company, Holland electric supplies. And I'm cruising down 44 in an interchange of highways. And I go into this underpass and about three cars in front of me, there is a ball about a, a silver ball about the size of a basketball hovering over this car. It wasn't 10 feet above the car, but it was keeping pace with this car. And I'm, I'm you know, you don't know if it's real or what you're, you think your mind, what is this, you know? So I look at right. it and I shake my head and I look at it again and it's still there and it's still just, just pacing this car. And the next thing you know, it just shoot, speed of light, pow, shot straight up in the air. So yeah. I, I call it the Foo Fighter. Remember back in the World War II, they had, the, yep. they, they yep. named them Foo Fighters with the glowing balls. Get this, Ashley and I, this was last year. wasn't long ago at all. We're cruising down a local road, two laner, um, and we see a hovering craft. And it wasn't that far off the ground. And it was still, it was like uh, uh, dusk, right? Yeah. And it was triangular. Um, I figure it was maybe an Astra. You know, the the Astra's uh, project, the Aurora project, where they built the Astra TR3Bs, has taken uh, different forms. You know, from its initial uh, design and and whatever, but we see this triangular craft and it's hovering. So Ashley's like, turn around, turn around, let's follow it. Turn around, it starts to slowly move down the road. 
So we're following it. And it starts, it starts getting to some elevation. Now it's getting pretty high. And so yeah. we get down to the crossroad and we make a right uh, on, onto a busy uh, road. It's four lanes. And so I pull over. We can still see it. But by this time, it's ascended pretty high. So we get out. And she goes, where is it? Where is it? I said, that's up there. I said, that's, that's it. It's, it went from we could see the craft to a point in the sky. That's it. And by this time, it's dark, right? And as soon as we look at it, Bo, I'm not kidding you. This big, giant, bright orange ball shoots past us in the sky on the left side, man. No tail. Nice. So it wasn't gases. Wasn't, there was no ice particles coming off it. There was no tail. It was just a bright orange ball, solid yeah. orange, man, like the sun. Boom. And I said, can you believe that shit just happened? Because he went looking at the <laughs> UFO and this thing comes by. I was like, what is happening here? You know, what is going on? And then last two Octobers ago, two Octobers ago, I got to run down to the post office because we're making a drop for the night. And I'm about halfway there running along the river. And I look over above the river and I know this area, I lived there my whole life and I know what's there and I know what the city lights look like and I know everything. There's five glowing disks in the sky, not too far off the ground, not high enough to be above the city and stuff like that, but they were yeah. illuminated, right? They were like white and they were disks. Now they were staggered like this, you know, one, two, three, four, five of them. And the one on the left, was making these weird angular movements like diagonals, you know, pew, pew, and then it would come back and get in formation again, pew, mm. and then it just shot off to the left. So I think, so I got it on camera. Did I send you a picture? No. And you can't hardly see it because I was I was driving and I had my window rolled down and I'm trying, I'm only doing it with my, with my phone, right? So I'm trying to do as right. best I can without crashing. And uh, so I get home and I said, Ashley, you won't believe what I saw. She goes, four flying saucers i said five she goes i saw four <laughs> she goes i saw them and they were right out here by the house oh and they were heading God. in the direction that where i saw them so she saw them first <laughs> so it is wild dude so anyway yeah. there were five of them now i don't know what they were uh but they were disc shaped for sure and they were they were they, they had light they were illuminated somehow and i'm not talking about blinking lights i'm talking about the whole craft yep Yep. White, you know, uh, all five of them. So that, oh, and then on our first day, check this out. We're down way down south in Missouri, man, in a remote area on the Castor River. We're kayaking. We pull the kayaks over. We're sitting in, we're sitting in a shallow part of the river, just letting it run over us, right? We're just having a good time. This is our first date. Right. I look up at the sky and I see a craft and I'm like, look at that. And it's hovering. And I'm like, I don't know what shape it is. I'll just say disc because I couldn't really tell. But it it went, it kind of moved slowly behind a tree and you could see on the other side of the tree, you can see everything. It never surfaced again. It just went behind a tree and disappeared. Three times it appeared wow. to us that day. Three times on the river. Three times. And three times in broad daylight. No it's sound? Cooler. Huh? No sound? No sound. No sound, no sound, no sound from any of them. Oh, yeah. One time, I'm I'm going over the uh, Grand Canyon. I'm flying over the Grand Canyon, right, on a commercial uh, liner, and and this is in the day. I had never seen, you know, except in pictures, the Grand Canyon personally right. from the air, right? 
or or being there for that matter. Um, in the center of the Grand Canyon is a silver disc and it's hovering and I'm watching it from a plane and I'm just looking down. I'm like, that's a flying saucer. And it was stationary for a while. It was hovering, but then it started doing that zigzag. It was like, doop, 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 doop. And I'm like, man, that's a UFO right there. That's, yep. I saw it in broad daylight. But the coolest thing I ever saw. And I, and I had a lot of experiences, man. I mean, just, I was over at my sister and brother-in-law's house. And this is that old house from 1865 right now. We're uh, sitting out on the back patio. And we got fire going. This is in the daylight, though. You know, they got a big one in big iron cauldrons, you know, like this is what yeah, we yeah. put fire. And uh, my brother-in-law and I were sitting there in broad daylight. Now, I'm, I got my back to my brother-in-law. He's sitting in a folding chair. And he goes, Dennis, look up. Broad daylight. This, this wasn't 100 feet off the ground. I'm talking about if you had a good arm, you could hit it with a rock. There was a craft. It was massive, triangular. All the corners were rounded. They're, they're rounded. And the whole edge of the craft, it's triangular, equidistant, mind you. It wasn't like a, uh, like one of the stealths or anything. Right. Equal sides everywhere, right? It looked like it could have been forward, backward. It's 100 feet off the ground. I could have hit it with a rock if I, my arm was good enough. No sound, absolutely silent. Its skin was like a champagne color. And I didn't see a rivet on it because that's how close it was. I didn't see a bolt, a rivet, slick, smooth skin, except on the edge, all the way around it, were these vertical vents. They were It was vented all the way around the whole thing like that, just vents. I don't know what they were for. And the belly of the craft, it had an internal, it didn't have a hard light. It wasn't wired with a hard light, you know? It had a round, glowing red emanating from within the craft that actually, you could see it from the outside. It was glowing yeah. through the skin, right? And this thing was taking its sweet ass time. There was no sound. It's only 100 feet in the air. Or 150 or whatever not far off the trees is what i'm saying right. it's like it's just like this silent as can be and just taking his sweet ass time going across the house and then over the trees and out of sight and i'm like what the hell wow so i didn't know what an astra tr3b was at the time so i started researching what i saw i drew a picture of it with the vents and everything oh son of a gun if i didn't find it on the internet military project Astra TR3B, probably one of the first prototypes because now they look different. Um, but for sure, it was, and, that, and I guarantee that technology came from alien. There ain't no, there ain't oh, no yeah, way. You know it. I don't even know what the propulsion system is on it. I don't even know what they use. How could it be silent? You know? Uh, oh, well, yeah, it could have come from sky. Uh, these uh, five craft that Ashley and I saw. You know, not too far across uh, the river in Illinois, there's a there's an Air Force Base, Scott Air Force Base. And maybe it was something out of Scott Air Force Base, or maybe it was something out of Kansas City. Uh, you know, up there in the Kansas area, there's it was a Whitman or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I got to looking on the internet, and I'll be damned if I didn't find that craft on the internet. Astra TR3B, rounded corners, vented all vertical vents all the way around it, except the ones that I saw on the internet. They did have a round light in the center of the of the belly, 
but it was hard. You could see it. Right. This glowed. There was nothing. There was no break in the skin. It was unbelievable, man. Uh, I, yeah. You know, so that's why I think it was an Astra TR3B. But was it? I don't know. I mean, but that's what it looked like to me. And I found out to be that's what it was. You know, I figured that's what it was, Astra TR3B. So, uh, you know, it, and my brother-in-law and I, we used to sit out in his backyard at night because it was right down by the Mississippi River. And man, you wouldn't believe the lights that fly down the Mississippi River, you know, oh, yeah. unexplained, whatever they are. So he must yeah. have been, his place must be in a path because routinely yeah. we would see things that we couldn't identify. Nothing that close ever. Again, that was right. amazing. But, you know, craft that you can't identify, you don't know what it is, flying down a river. So, you know, they must do something with the water. I guess I don't, I don't really know, you know. Hey, that's, <laughs> that's what uh, that episode the Berkshires, I, I can't remember what, what number it was, but, uh, the, the, the abductees that I, I spoke with, uh, from new England, yeah, their, their whole thing was, it has to do with the water, you know? Oh, there might be something to it. Um, uh, there, yeah. there more than once I've heard, well, right over in Illinois and Carlisle Lake, I used to go fishing over there all the time, man. They had the uh, place loaded with fish miles and miles of shoreline fishermen over there in a little in a little skiff or dinghy or whatever it was he's a little one-man boat a little rowboat or whatever out there fishing and this has got big waves out there you know I, i've been kayaking over there and people think i'm crazy but uh <laughs> it's cool to ride the waves uh but anyway uh he saw a craft come right out of the water right out of the water and then he woke up a couple hours later 30 miles down the shoreline and had no idea how he got there. Wow. So, uh, interesting enough, my brother-in-law, the guy I saw the craft with, uh, his whole, he and his whole family were taking a road trip through Illinois. And it's not far from your 100 miles, maybe. And it's, uh, you know, it's flat. It's all flat. Uh, so there's farms and stuff. But on this dude's property, uh, there was a small lake. And my brother-in-law and his whole family said they saw it. They were in different cars. A craft come right out of this lake, right out of the lake, hover, and then shoot straight up in the air, straight up in the air. I mean, this is in like rural Illinois in a lake, somebody's lake, you know, it's like, yeah. man, that, that lake must be pretty deep. I don't know, you know, <laughs> but the dude has to this very day, if you drive past his property, he's got a big cutout of the flying saucer that came out of his property. So he oh, knows, yeah. you know, it'll I guess change he was, his life. you know, uh, oh, it'll change your life. I, I know they're there. I don't want to, I don't really want to, after my neighbor's experience, I don't want to see an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see one, man. Crazy. Um, but anyway, those are some of the things. Uh, oh, I got to tell you about this ghost. Okay. This one ghost. Cause I got, I got a million stories and we can do this again if you want. My buddies and I, when we were young, we all, we, you know, we all sought out the, uh, the rural areas that hadn't been developed yet. So we could fire our guns. This was a time when property's disappearing and there's no more common ground. Right. So we found this old place out in uh, St. Charles County, uh, Dardine. Um, and it was really rural at the time. There were no subdivisions. It's nothing out there. This Creek that we used to go shooting up our, uh, shooting our weapons off out there. Um, so we're driving down the road, it's a two-lane blacktop, and right out in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing around for miles, is this old brick Victorian house. 
three stories with the classic <sighs> roof and the wrought iron fence goes around the whole thing, right? Shutters on the window, dilapidated, old, abandoned, grass growing up in the yard, iron fence outside the property, outside to nothing. There's nothing there, but that's, you know, there must have been something at one time there. So we're drinking, having a good time. You know, this is what you do. You, you, you need to drink and shoot your firearms off, right? So this is, this is what we were doing, young kids being silly. Um, so you're stupid. Uh, yeah, stupid. Uh, we spend a great deal of time at this house. We parked, went into the property. We didn't go in the house, but we're all over the house, outside, you know, looking at how overgrown everything was in it. We must have spent an hour there just shooting the bull. I'm up on the porch kind of, you know marble steps you know like the old white uh oh, yeah. carved steps with the nice things coming down the sides and everything yeah. and i'm standing at the top of the landing like five feet from the door and we had been there for an hour and i'm and the, and the rest of the boys are out in the yard and i'm turning around and looking at them and i turned around and looked at the building and there's a woman oh, standing man. in my face dude she's got the classic black dress buttoned all the way up with the frilly collar and shit and she's got salt and pepper hair in a bun and the long sleeves i mean prim and proper victorian and she's staring me nope. right in the face scared me. she almost fell off backwards off the porch nope <laughs> I said, I, and i'm talking to her i said oh my gosh i said i had no idea anybody lived here i don't think she was alive to be honest with you yeah. she was in, she looked in the flesh to me right and she's and i'm talking to her and she ain't saying a word she's not speaking to me and i'm like okay well we're just gonna leave now sorry to disturb you you know it's like good lord man i don't even hear i didn't hear the door open i didn't hear her come out i didn't hear her footsteps or nothing when i turned around she was staring me in the face full uh -uh. blown full blown uh -uh. lady in black with the frill collar everything dude scared the shit out of me and i'm we left <laughs> we left big time dude <laughs> and then another time i was i was photographing this old farmhouse it was in another area um and it was dilapidated same same kind of thing didn't look like anybody lived there for years had an old 57 chevy in the yard it was a tree growing through it that's how old it was right i seen an old grinding wheel from the 1800s in the yard so I spent two weeks on this property photographing this property. Door to the house was wide open. I didn't really want to go in, but after a week, I got my curiosity got the best of me, and I went inside. Yeah. And it's old, dude. I'm talking about old. I'm talking about early 1900s old, right? All the furniture's in there. It's all dusty. There's old life magazines on the table from the 30s, you know? And wow. It's just abandoned and I'm having a field day. I didn't, you know, I was a good guy. I wasn't, I didn't bother anything and disrupt anything. I'm just shooting photographs, right? right. With film, black and white. <laughs> Man, the second week I was there, I went back, you know, and I had filmed the house and I had stepped out of the house and I'm standing at the edge of the old clapboard porch, you know, wood planks. And I'm looking at this old 57 Chevy out in the yard. And I turn around and look and there's a dude standing in the doorway he's standing in the doorway big man caucasian dude bib overalls no shirt barefoot and he's just looking at me and i'm like oh my god i almost dropped my camera i mean i said dude i said i am so sorry i said i had no idea somebody lived here again this man never said a word to me not one word 
And I'm like, quit looking behind you, man. Oh, dude. I I said, okay, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. You know, I said, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize that anybody actually lived here. I said, please forgive me for trespassing and, and, and infringing on your privacy, you know, really apologetic. Guess what? I sat 10 rolls of film of that house and everything in it. I never found those rolls of film and I never got to develop them. They disappeared oh, no. without a trace, dude. Oh, I got to tell you this story. Listen, <laughs> what? <laughs> Ashley's telling me, you got to be careful. Hey, listen, <laughs> talk about, uh, I told you about this non-corporeal being, right? Um, yeah. In the little thing. So these are, now we're getting in back to the spirit thing. Um, when I was a young man, my, my sister was in trouble. She, she had something that the doctors didn't know what it was and she was dying. She's still alive today. Thank God, Dominus Omens. But uh, at the time, everybody was really, really concerned. We were going to lose her. Me too. My only sibling. And uh, so I was restless one night. It's about three o'clock in the morning. And I go to a local park and they got a pond there and a little footbridge, a little concrete footbridge that goes over the pond from one side to the other. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm by myself. I'm not verbalizing any. I'm not, I'm not, you know, you can't hear, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking hard right. whether my sister's going to make it or not. You know, what is wrong? What could be wrong with her? I'm, I'm sad and I'm, I'm concerned. So it's been about a half hour there. Very next day, I go to the local library up just a couple of miles away, up the street. It's a daylight, and uh, as a young man, I smoked. I don't smoke now, but I did as a young man. And I get out of my car and I'm walking across the street to go to the library, and I'm in the middle of the street, and I hear this: "Hey, buddy, you got a cigarette?" And I turn around, and this is old man, this white dude. Snow white hair, uh, five o'clock shadow, rough skin, looked like he'd been out in the weather forever, you know, transient type, had a gray yep. sweatshirt on and blue jeans. He goes, can I have a cigarette? And, you know, I wasn't used to giving transients anything back then. Money too tight to mention. You know, I got I to change the way I think about things. But, you know, they say you might be entertaining an angel. You never know, right? right. So get this. So I decide that I'm going to give this man a cigarette. And I step on the curb, go around my car, walk right up to him. He's got the most brilliant blue eyes I've ever seen on a human being. I've never seen eyes like this before. You know how some blue eyes just stop you cold, right? Yeah. He got white hair and blazing blue eyes, man. And I give him the cigarette and I light it. He says, thanks. Takes a puff. He goes, you know, I was under the bridge last night. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, and I asked him, I said, what do you mean? You were like downtown sleeping under the Eads Bridge across the Mississippi River? Because a lot of transients, you know, will sleep along those areas down that way. Yeah. And uh, he goes, no, he's looking at me real serious. He's looking at me and he goes, no, I was under the bridge last night. And I go, okay. And I started thinking, I was on a bridge last night, you know, down on this little oh, part. Yeah. And I go, okay, so... And he goes, he goes, I want you to know. And he looks me right in the eyes. He goes, I want you to know your sister is going to be okay. And I'm like, well, now you have my attention. <laughs> I said, now, now you have my attention. There are a few things in my life that uh, really stand out. This is one of them. And uh, I, at this point, I'm kind of getting teary-eyed because this is affecting me, you know. Uh, he goes, he goes, look, he goes, 
I want you to do me a favor. He pulls out of his back pocket this old crinkled envelope. Oh, nothing in it. It was an old envelope. And he pulls out one of them little bowling pencils, you know, like them little yellow bowling pencils. Yeah. He writes his name on the, on the envelope. And it's Michael Kane. I'll never forget it. It's spelled Keane, but he pronounced it Kane, K E A N E. Michael Keane. I said, well, thank you, Michael Keane. For... Anyway, he wrote it. He wrote it on paper. And then he did the most unusual thing. He formed these tears in his eyes. And they started running down his cheek and he wiped one off with his finger and he put it on that envelope across his name. And he took my hand and he put it in my hand and he said, you take this and you put this in your drawer and you go home and your sister's going to be okay. And I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded. I had manifestations before, but not somebody you could poke in the chest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was there and he's and he put this in and he and I started to like crying sort of, you know, I'm, I got tears coming down my eyes. And he said, you do this and she's going to be OK. And he goes, thanks for the cigarette. Now, where we were standing was an empty lot. Uh, a building had been torn down years ago. It was leveled and cleaned up. And all there was there was short grass. Right. So he said, hey, thanks for the cigarette. And he goes, uh, so I. I turn around and start to walk away and he goes, oh, by the way, your girlfriend's not pregnant either. And, uh, and this is not, you know, this is the time I thought my girlfriend was pregnant, you know, I was young. Yeah. You know, we were worried about that, but he comes up with that. Right. And I'm like, okay. And uh, so he goes, thanks for the cigarette. So I take one step off the curb and I turn around to look at this dude and he's gone. There's nowhere he could have gone. He's gone, dude. He's gone. So even though I don't subscribe to the word angel, there's something there. These beings exist. I don't know who he was. Did yeah. he belong to me personally? Did we know each other in another life? You know, uh, I have no idea. That happened and it was real. And guess what? My girlfriend wasn't pregnant and my sister is still alive today. And <sighs> oh, and so about 10, 12 years later, I'm moving. And I'm packing everything up and I find this little box and I open up the box and that note is in it with his name on it in the envelope, you know? And yeah, I'm like, oh, that's it? so cool. Uh-huh. Well, get this. I'm happier than pig and shit. I'm, I, I'm loving it because I found it. I found that. I didn't know I, you know, I put it in a box and put it somewhere, right? Yeah. So I'm excited. I go down in the basement to pack my stuff the next day. It's gone. The box and all. I never found it again, ever ever and i'm like Man. what this is the most ridiculous so that really happened so these beings i'm saying i don't know what they are you can call them an angel that's fine i guess i don't subscribe to the word angel but they are something and they do look after you and and help you in your times of need you know yeah so even though i don't express it biblically that should happen it really happened and yeah. I'll never forget it. It's one of the major things in my life that, that, that it happened to me. And I'm like, okay, there's these beings. I don't know who they are. And it's not the last time I ran into the white haired blue eyed people either. Not the last time. I'll say that for another time, but uh -huh. man, it happened. So are they real? They're real. I don't know what they are, but they're real. Didn't have no yeah. wings, you know, looked like a human being, but he wasn't a human being. I know he wasn't a human being. He just disappeared out of thin air. He's gone. Yeah. You know, it's a spirit guy or whatever. 
Well, they, I don't know. I mean, they, they, if you can manifest, if you read Paramahansa Yogananda's book about manifestations and stuff, and if that stuff is possible, then that's what happened. He manifested, boom, gone in, a, in an instant. Yeah. Could have been anything. Could have been, I don't know what it was. You know, I don't know. Was he looking after me? Apparently so. Apparently yeah. so. So anyway, um, I got a ton more, Bo, but I know we've been on here for a while. Whatever you want to do, man. I mean, you know. Well, I want to ask you just uh, one or two quick questions, and uh, yeah. then then we'll pick up uh, we'll pick up in a week or so for a part part three with Dennis. Yeah, it could be. You know, <laughs> I got a ton of stuff. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, you said you taught classes about OBE. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you written a book about this yet, or no? Well, I got you- a. Really? I wouldn't call it a book. I've got a. Actually, I have a copy right here, I think, um, oddly enough, and it was written years ago, but um, it's probably 20 pages, maybe, you know, 20 pages long. So what it is, is instructions. It's a no-nonsense thing. If I I can make a copy of it, I actually have an updated one somewhere in computer land, but I can't find it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't even know where it's at. I mean, I don't even know where it's at. But I'll send you... one of my first ones. And so what it is, is a set of instructions yeah. on how to prepare your body and your mind to experience an out-of-body experience and how to facilitate one, how to bring it on. Yeah. And how that came to be, of course, my own experiences. But I wanted everybody to know, man, everybody does this. I want people to know. And so I taught this class and I wrote this material and the material came from many different sources. I'm an avid reader. I suck up all the information I can. You know, I even used some of Robert Monroe's techniques. Uh, and so I, I, I kind of gleaned information from different sources and put it all together to fit me. Because why would you lock yourself into a system? You know, right. oh, this is the only system that works. I don't think so. It's what's up here. You know, you train this, you're going, you're going to see something. So I garnered information from my own experiences and from these other authors and I put it together in a comprehensive list from start to finish how to experience and how to facilitate an out-of-body experience and um, I'll be happy to send you a copy no problem at all you just uh, text me your you know your snail mail or whatever the case may be and um, I would love to get a copy of that because I I want to do this, <laughs> you know, well, I, listen, there's so many things I want to see and learn. I got to go out there to see it and learn it. I, it'll change your life. Oh, it. yeah. it'll change your life. You will know for, you will know beyond a reasonable doubt that we are more than this cheap ass physical body that we have. I mean, if you really want to get into it, I got a theory and uh, about our physical bodies and our animating force, you know, but it, we could say that for another time. But um, <laughs> I hear Ashley kicking you off here, man. <laughs> no, I'm not kicking you off. I'm yeah, just saying that is a really in-depth. It really is an in-depth thing. And you got to get it, you know, it, it can take forever. Listen, I, I'm so deep with this stuff. But anyway, out about it. Yeah, uh, it's a no-nonsense step-by-step instruction that I put together based on other authors and my own experiences on how to do it, on how to bring yourself to a vibrational frequency that's going to allow your consciousness to slip free from your physical body and you experience it. Now I can tell you what's going to happen. 
a lot of weird shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if you are awake, if you are awake, if your consciousness is awake at the moment of separation, it gets a little funky. But you gotta get ready. You know, you gotta know what's coming, and you you gotta kill that fear, man. You're coming back. You're not gonna be possessed. Listen, if my body was gonna be possessed, I'd be possessed. I leave my body all the time, and I've yeah. never been possessed. And ain't nothing can do it to me. You know why? Because I'm Godzilla and the rest is Japan. And that's the way you got to think. You know what I mean? Right. Don't let fear stop you, dude. So you will experience unusual stuff that might spook you at first, but you got to get over it. You got to get over it because it's just phenomenal. That's all it is, you know? Like sounds and uh, sudden movements or explosions or, or whistling or bells or shotgun blasts or dogs barking or your name being called, you know, <sighs> or people or things touching you, you know, stuff like that. It's all part of it and you got to get over it, you know, so you prepare yourself for that and you know what's coming at the onset and you move past that and you get on with it, you know, and you're coming back. You're talking about the wires? The, the, the streetcar wires? wires? Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, thank you for the tip on uh, living Buddha, uh, living Christ. It's uh, very interesting. And, oh, yeah, um, man. Yeah, yeah uh, we're digging it. So, um, I think that's, I have so much more, Bo, but I know we've been on here for hours. So Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pick up. Uh, we'll pick up where we leave off now, next time. But I, I love having you guys on the show. You guys are amazing. Well, thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. Um, oh, Ashley wants to well, say something. I'm not coming on the camera, but I just want to say that. Can you hear me? Come on. No, I, I, you got to get closer. Well, get get closer so he can hear you. Okay. I'm sorry. So I just want to say that Dennis has had so many experiences and a lot of people might be really overwhelmed with it, but it's just, um, I always kind of think of it this way because I've experienced a lot like he has since, since my consciousness was awakened that when you open your mind to these things, you see them more because yeah. like buying a new car and maybe you've got like ours is on a white Hyundai Sonata. I never saw those. But then we got one and I saw one everywhere. Yeah. So it's almost like if you don't open your mind to things, you could be looking right at it and not even seeing it. Case in point, my Bigfoot picture. Right. You know, exactly. I was looking yeah. right in her direction. And never saw her until I saw the picture later. So I just wanted to interject because I know a lot of people will probably be like, man, how has this guy experienced all of this? And I mean, I know his whole family. I know his sister and I know it all. You know, even um, my grandson saw something once when we were at his sister, his sister's, but are a person. So anyway, he has just always been around it and so i think that's why he has had so many experiences because he's his mind is open to it i i, I agree a hundred percent and that's exactly why i made that it was just a goofy little instagram post it said look up and that's exactly what i'm talking about people are like well how do you see things like this i look for it you know yes i'm, I'm ready to receive that so exactly. if you want to see what look up <laughs> you, you know just I mean? reminded me of something bo uh, when i was a kid my mother 
would tell me on the daily, never look down, always look up. Yep. She told me that, you know? And you know what else she told me, which I thought was really strange all my life. You know what she told me? You're a hybrid. That's what she told me. That's, she tells me that all the time. You're a hybrid. I said, what do you mean I'm a hybrid? She goes, you're a hybrid being. That's what she tells me. <laughs> Weirdest damn wow. thing. I said, I said, I don't think so. But, you know, I entertain her and let her talk. But who knows? But I, gotta, I, I do have some theories on the human body and, and stuff like that. So let's get into that next time. And that's interesting right. because it kind of puts pieces of the puzzle together that we're missing. That are missing in everybody's point of view. They can't figure shit out. But I'll tell you what. I got something to tell you that might put the pieces together. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey, look, I'm I'm writing notes on the next page of my of my notebook so I can, <laughs> so I can get so I can remember where we leave it off at. Uh, hey, it oh. all fits in. It all fits in with the with things that go bump in the night and the paranormal and all things Amen. strange. Xander, oh well, my my little grandson, he's a, he's a well, he was born totally enclosed in his amniotic sac. And uh, so he, he was born veiled. You know, you ever hear that? She was born with a veil. He was born with a veil. He's one of yes. them. Yes. Yes. They're, they're said to have uh, abilities. Oh, he does. He's got it. He's, he's got only it. 18 he's old. a little healer, man. He's a little healer. When he walks through the room, the whole room, and it's just because he's a beautiful little child anyway, but his presence is calming. He's like, if he, lay, if he lays his hand on you, you're like, are so calm well, it's unbelievable man he's when jesse was he pregnant, too. when jesse was pregnant with him she kept having premonition she would have dreams and wake up and whatever she dreamt about would be on the news or in the paper and it freaked her out and i told her that he's gifted because you're yep. carrying his energy and then when he was born veiled we, i was like i told you yeah. he's special he is wow. he's a little healer that's what i call him he's a little healer man unbelievable just his energy is you want it because we yeah. don't have it as, <laughs> as old curmudgeons you know you want that but children and, being born these this this in this time are being born with different energy than ours i mean they're they're higher vibrating they're more open there's a lot of people that say they're not born with any karma Wow, I hadn't heard that. I don't know that's about that. Wow. I worked through my karma, that's I mean, for that's sure. <laughs> maybe we can both talk about oh, yeah, time. whatever. You know, maybe we can both talk about that sometime because that's yeah, very clean, you know. clean slate babies. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, the whole thing, yeah. man. Because they are they're coming in to usher in a new era for the human species. I don't know. Wow. That's that's her field of expertise. I can only tell you what I know, which is not much, but here it is in a nutshell. You survive death for a time. Uh, do you reincarnate? That's another story altogether. Um, and I have a personal experience with that. Not me personally. I mean, I can tell you I do, but I mean a bona fide case in my family. But um, yeah, to survive death, uh, there is more, much more to the mundane, you know, to this mundane existence of ours. So uh, keep searching people out there. And in the meantime, keep listening to Bo Kennedy and the Bump Podcast. <laughs> Boom. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to the bump podcast.com. 
click the episode tab and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to thebumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right. Again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.